You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. Very serious. is the mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you live from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Flannery. I am joined, as per usual, by my great friend, Joseph Anthony Noe Bird. Hi, guys. The uh, show is also being produced by Evan. Evan, say hi to everybody. Let them know you're there. What up? There you go. That's his classic uh, intro to everybody. This nice. is, uh, listen, We're welcome to the program, everyone. We had a little technical difficulty with the audio video portion of this podcast, so this is the second time I'm doing this. So uh, so kind of like deja vu. It's extremely like deja vu. If you're listening to the audio, you have no idea what I'm talking about because it's the first time you're hearing it. But uh, you know, if you were watching the live stream on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash mandatory Samson, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Welcome to the program, everyone. We have a nice show lined up here. Of course, we have full Democratic debate coverage. Nice. I got my uh, my notes that I took while I was watching it live. Okay. I got clips. We're going to get into the whole thing. Who won? Who didn't win? Who did what? Pretty good. Uh, we're going to get into some, into some quicker stories and updates regarding Sweden, Julian Assange, Planned Parenthood, Tamir Rice, and ISIS story that I had prepared for last week, but I totally skipped over like a moron. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into it this week. It's interesting. I want to have a discussion about it. Uh, we also have an interesting quote from Stephen Hawking. That I think kind of could lead us into the uh, Democratic debate coverage. I think okay. it's going to be good. Uh, we're also going to get to that Carly Fiorina, Steve Jobs story that I was talking about last week. Yes. Where uh, Jobs took uh, serious advantage of Carly Fiorina. And it's a pretty good story. We're all, And then we're going to just uh, wrap up before we get into the debate coverage mm-hmm. with Ben Carson's Holocaust comments that he made this week that uh, are easily debunked with just a, just a tiny bit of research. Don't you feel there should be some topics people stay away from? Yeah, look, you can try to talk about whatever you want. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be the guy that says don't talk about something. Go ahead. But if you're going to talk about it, especially if you're going to talk about the Holocaust, have a real point. And have make. your facts right. Yeah, because yeah. he's comparing. He Basically, his point is, without getting into it, is that if the Jews had more guns, mm-hmm. they probably could have defended themselves against the Nazis, which... Again, I have facts to back that up. Uh, that, yeah. that's, that shit's just uh, probably inaccurate. Before we get into any of the topics, uh, I want to make mention of a couple of comments and uh, tweets and things like okay. that that we got. First off, we got one on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. Somebody commented on the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can comment under the track, and I, I'll usually respond to those, and Joey will respond too. We got a comment from Alicia Carson who uh, had a comment pretty much directed at me, mm-hmm. but about you. Okay. All right, so let me read this comment. Love your podcast. Just one thing. Joey gets cut off a lot and doesn't really get his chance to talk. Huh. It seems he only contributes to 10% of the podcast because he doesn't get the opportunity to speak up with his opinion. Would love to hear it more balanced. Love you guys, though, and keep up the great podcast. Well, Alicia, thank you for your support. We appreciate the comment. Joey, you got any thoughts about this? Yes, I I personally think 10% is pretty low. I, I do too. Okay. 
And uh, thank you for the comment. And I'm going to try to get it more balanced. What did you, you responded to her on SoundCloud, right? Yes. Do you, you want to read what you said there? Yes. I am glad to hear the love for the podcast. I do have to say, Chris usually does give me a fair shot to speak up. Which is magnanimous of you, Joey, to say that. Mm. That is fair. I do give you a fair chance to yes. speak up. Like when I'm going to take a little water break or something, I'm like, Joey, carry it. And you're like, no. And I dropped the ball. You dropped the ball, yeah. I work on it and get it more balanced. Thanks for the comment and thanks for listening. All right. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the comment and thank you for listening. Do you, let me ask you this. Yes. Do you think it's reasonable that I cut, I mean, not reasonable, but like you think it's a fair assessment that I cut you off sometimes? Maybe a little bit, about 10% of the time, I would say. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, whatever. So I'll try not to cut you off, but I'll tell you what, when mm-hmm. I throw it to you, you better fucking bring the heat. Okay. Uh, I also want to say this. I got a tweet from a kid named Caleb. Caleb, I appreciate your support and listening to the podcast. He sent me a tweet about this guy. This Ohio man was exonerated after 27 years. He was in prison for murder, even though he didn't commit that murder. Finally exonerated. The state now is going to offer him $40,000 a year as a like a repayment. Compensation? For, yeah, compensation. For, compensation. Perfect. For taking over, uh, taking away a huge chunk of his life. It's a story. It was just an image that he sent me. I couldn't really find the story. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a ton to get to this week so i didn't think you know we were really going to cover it but i do appreciate you caleb sending that to us and if you guys want to look into it go for it that to me seems like a very low amount of money to pay somebody after 27 years in jail you, you can never like you can never repay them for that if a lost time yeah but you know i mean you're talking millions of dollars instead of forty thousand dollars mm-hmm. a year this guy's a you know midlife now at this point he's never going to make millions of dollars getting you know so, so they low bought him now. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me, and that was Caleb's point, I think, uh, about sending it. So, anyway, I just wanted to uh, give Caleb credit for sending me the tweet. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Also, got an email from a guy named Chris MandatorySampson at gmail dot com. If you'd like to uh, questions, comments, whatever you got, I, I respond to those. Uh, he emailed. He says he loves the show. Nice. He doesn't agree with us basically on anything <laughs> because he's a libertarian, uh, but he still enjoys what we have to say, and he thinks that we do enough research and that, you know, our, our opinions are not just based in, uh, fantasy. Ba- yeah. And fantasy, they're based more in fact, and it challenges his opinion. He said, which I, I really appreciate. Yes, thank and you. I take that as a very good compliment that people that don't necessarily agree with us can still listen to the show and enjoy it. So that's yes. really cool. So Chris, thank you for your email. I really appreciate that. I want to finish with this before we get into the main topics. I got snaps on Snapchat on mm-hmm. Thursday night when I was, uh, you know, sitting around, the podcast comes out at midnight, so people started listening to it. Got a snap from somebody from Iowa. Nice. Snap from somebody right outside of Chicago. I was talking to him a little bit about hockey. It was mm-hmm. very good. And then I also got a snap from uh, a woman on her walk to work at 9 a.m. in Helsinki, Finland. In Finland. Listening to the Mandatory Samson podcast at 9 o'clock in the morning. It was like 2 o'clock our time. And uh, she was. Uh, she said, you know, New York really is the city that never sleeps, huh? Because I was still awake. And I was like, yeah. That's awesome. I, don't, I stay up pretty late. I'm a bit of a night owl. But anyway, very, very cool. That was yes. like the first time that uh, – like I like going on Snapchat to see people's lives a little bit, see what mm-hmm. people are up to. But that was very cool. Like people telling me, oh, I'm listening to the podcast. I love it, asking questions. That's and, fantastic. And fucking Finland. Unbelievable. It's a nice diverse uh, population we have out there. It really is. I mean, in fairness, I've gotten messages from people in England and Sweden and Finland, you know, Midwest and all over the yeah. country. So it is very cool. And, and we love you guys. And we really appreciate all the support. So I just wanted to put that out there. And, you know, look, feel free to be in touch with either one of us. We of really course. appreciate it. Uh, you also have a fuck up of the week. Yes, I do. All right. So do you you want to just get into that now at the top of the show or what? Okay. Let's get it done with. 
Uh, oh, did I mention the TPP, by the way, in that little intro there? You did not, no. Uh, okay. The, more chapters of the TPP came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to wait the week, see what else comes out, and then we'll have more of a report about it next week. So okay. I just want to, you know, if anybody noticed that something came out, yes, I'm on top of it, and we'll we'll get to it next nice. week. Joey, hit me with the fuck up of the week, homie. So the fuck up of the week is coming out of good old New Jersey. An individual. Oh, our home state. Oh, see, I cut you off. Yeah, see, This there is you exactly go. what she's talking about. Okay. An individual who happens to be a nurse has been reusing syringes to administer the flu shot, according what? to the state attorney general's office. Oh, my God. Where does she work? At a hospital? She, in, in uh, she was actually an in, in, independent contractor, uh-huh. and she was working. For, she was hired by Total Wellness, right? and she was giving out the flu shots. So apparently the syringes that hold the vaccines were being, were being reused, not the needles. However, okay. the health officials are still recommending getting tested for HIV Ugh. and hepatitis B and C yeah. as a precaution. I mean, using the same needle is obviously a major no-no, and you don't want to do that. I will say this. She's an independent contractor. She's probably just trying to save a little money reusing the same. I yes. mean, I'm not even making a joke. She probably That is why she's doing it. Um, yeah, it's less dangerous, I guess, but there's still fucking blood and she, you know, going into the the actual like mm-hmm. syringe part. Well, that's an asshole move. So she's she could really be in trouble for this, right? Uh, yes, as of now, she hasn't been charged with anything, so that's yeah. why the Associated Press hasn't released a name. Okay. Yeah, but couldn't she be? So has she not been charged just because they haven't charged her yet, or something? I think that is the case. Right. But okay. if health officials deem that what she did wasn't as serious. Maybe they might not charge her at all, but we will find out in due time. Yeah, that seems like an absolute fucking dumb move. Like, who in the world thinks that it's a good idea to share needles? Nobody's ever said that that's a good idea. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, and God forbid now somebody gets AIDS or whatever, HIV. It's like, wow, that's going to be a terrible situation. All right, well. Keep your eye on that. Yes. I feel like we talk, I feel like we do that every week with your fucking of the week. I'm like, stay on top of it. And then there's Listen, never. I, I, I have a whole chalkboard of things I'm keeping up on. You do with like push pins and yep. uh, <laughs> string just running all over the place. Like it's a, a hero's episode. Yes. Uh, I don't even know what the fuck that means. Mohinder Suresh. Remember he had that big board. Mm-hmm. Crazy reference. All right. So good fuck up of the week. See, see what happens. Yes. Um, I want to get into this. This is interesting. Cause th- this is, this fits in pretty well i think to some of the shit that was talked about in the democratic debate so i think it's good to bring it up at the top of the show because they were talking about uh you know family leave and maternity Mm -hmm. leave and and, you know minimum wage and all this stuff sweden yes is switching to a six hour work day from an eight hour work day that's awesome employers across the country are testing out the six hour work day to increase profit productivity and happiness stockholm app development company uh, Philamundus CEO Linus Felt, which is a great uh, Scandinavian name, Linus Felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what he had to say about it. The eight-hour workday is not as effective as one would think. To stay focused on a specific work task for eight hours is a huge challenge. In order to cope, we mix in things and pauses to make the workday more endurable. At the same time, we are having it uh, hard to manage our private life outside of work. My impression now is that it is easier to focus more intensely on the work that needs to be done, and you have the stamina to do it and still have the energy left when leaving the office. I love that quote because mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're testing out a work-life balance, which I feel like is something that is way out of whack in the United States. Absolutely. They're saying, in fact, that if you work less, you're probably going to focus on it more. You're not going to be on your fucking phone and try mm-hmm. I, I know people right now, my good friend Joe Kelly listening to this podcast, 
at work. He's not being productive. He's listening to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, and uh, so maybe if he was only there six hours, he'd be able to focus and uh, then just listen to the Mandatory Samson podcast when he got home. But it's an interesting thing. Yes, it is. Gothenburg, Sweden, which is their second largest, I think, next to Stockholm, they have Toyota centers there. Mm-hmm. They switched 13 years ago, and according to all their research and data, happier staff, lower turnover rate, people stay in the position longer, uh, and they make higher profits. That's awesome, and they've been doing it for 13 years. That's yeah, so insane. that's a huge you know, period of time. Obviously, that's uh, pretty legit. I totally agree. I mean, I think we should start the workday at like 11, mm-hmm. and f- truth be told, mine does pretty much start at 11 or later. Yes. God, I, God bless comedians. Th- this actually got me thinking, maybe we should all change it to a four-day work week. Yeah, I mean... Do you think that'd be more productive, or do you think just the... St- the six-hour workday. No, nah, I think staying in the flow of it is fine. Like you could be there five days a week. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to a four-day workweek, but but I, I'd ra- I think people would rather do six hours, five days a week. That's fine because mm-hmm. by the time you get out, like they're saying, you're not exhausted. You you know you did your work and you go ah whatever. I got out at you know three o'clock, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Um, but yeah, I mean, four-day workweek could work out too. Sure, three-day workweek even, two days work, <laughs> five days no work. Nice. Uh, all right. This is an interesting one. Um, Evan, you know what? I got another text. This is just like behind the scenes stuff. Uh, no, you know what? Never mind. It said the volume's a little low, but whatever. We'll, we'll deal with it later. Okay. Um, London Metro Police removed from the Ecuadorian embassy. Oh, they must be cutting back costs. You think so? Yes. Uh, as everybody knows, we talked about all the time, Julian Assange is trapped in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Mm-hmm. He was on his way to Ecuador. He wanted to go to Ecuador, but he got asylum from them. But he's just been trapped in there for years. And the the uh, the Metro police are stationed outside there just in case he leaves. They're going to yeah. arrest him. Uh, I have a quote from the Metro police, and then I have a quote from WikiLeaks, and then we can kind of move on from this. Just an interesting thing to drop into because who knows yeah. why they did it, but I have some quotes. $25 million has been, has been spent monitoring Assange since 2010 when he was first arrested. That's why. That's, well, that's, that's a, a lot of money. Maybe, but that's a lot of money. This is the quote from the Metro Police. They said, whilst, meanwhile, I like that they use the word whilst, whilst the MPS remains committed to executing the arrest warrant and presenting Julian Assange before the court, it is only right that the policing operation to achieve this is continually reviewed against the diplomatic and legal efforts to resolve the situation. As a result of this continual review, the MPS has today, Monday, the 12th of October, withdrawn the physical presence of officers from outside the embassy. Interesting. So they're kind of saying we're just reviewing it, but mm-hmm. you're right. It could have a lot to do with the cost. WikiLeaks uh, released a statement provided by Kristen Raffinson, I guess, is one of their uh, spokespeople. He says, it's a bit hard to read into it. Are they just replacing the visible presence with covert officers? Mm-hmm. Which is possible because yep. in the article that I read, they, there's a picture of like – People that they're just hanging out outside the the embassy, so they're just like covert. All right, yeah. the Metropolitan Metropolitan Police has spent over twelve million pounds on this ridiculous siege for over three years. They're saying twelve million based on him being in the embassy, twenty five million overall since his oh, arrest. Okay. Uh, so now they're putting a covert team up against him. I wonder if that's simply a change of ta- tactics, and the expenditure will simply go on. It's very hard to read into exactly what this means. One can speculate that they are possibly trying to hide the cost by removing the visibility of the police officers who have been surrounding the embassy 24-7 since June 19th, three years ago. 
I don't think I'd call anything a victory unless the siege was called off and Julian is allowed to enjoy the political asylum that he was granted fully in compliance with the international law by the Ecuadorian government. So this doesn't make a huge difference in my mind. It's obvious that the Metropolitan Police is somewhat reacting to the outrage among the public for spending over 12 million pounds on this ridiculous attempt to arrest him. Okay, so WikiLeaks is basically saying, yeah, while, while it might seem good that it might provide an out for him, Probably not. It no. seems like they're just, it's kind of a charade that they're, you know, they, they still have police out there. They're just not uniform police, so it mm-hmm. seems like they're not doing it. I bet you anything they probably spent twice as much now with using undercover cops I, I, waiting for them to leave. I, I totally agree, right? Why, it would seem like the guys that are undercover probably get paid a lot more because it's a little more dangerous because you're not actually visibly yes. a cop. I agree, right? It's probably going to cost mm-hmm. more. It'd be nice if they just weren't there and they just let... Let, Let poor Julian Assange go. You know, I was thinking about this last night. The reason why I think Julian Assange is not uh, like I feel like Snowden gets a lot of support. People like Snowden. Julian Assange just looks like a Bond villain and sounds like a Bond villain. That that's what his problem is. So so he's being typecasted in life. Yes, he's totally typecast. I mean, he's like an e- yeah, he's like an evil uh, foreigner with information that's damaging. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I don't believe that. I'm just saying he looks like a, a bomb. He looks like it's a bad interesting. Guy. Here, here's your first opportunity. Yes. I'm gonna have a sip of this uh, polar seltzer, strawberry watermelon. It's the last of my summer collection flavors. I'm gonna take a sip. Mm-hmm. T- talk about something. This is for Alicia, dude. Yes. So I know you didn't put it in the rundown, but I wanted to get your opinion about Lamar Odin. Lamar Odin, yes. Uh, sure. Lamar Odom? Odom, yes. Okay. I li- all right. I like what you did there. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit before the show. Evan uh, was talking about how it's, you know, it seems like a good guy. And like as a Lakers fan, it's sad to see. I don't really know much about Lamar Odom. I know that he was married to Khloe Kardashian, I know that he played basketball. I remember hearing that he smoked crack at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, it's sad. I mean, it's too bad about the guy. W- what we were talking about before the show is that it's hard for people to help somebody, I think, that is uh, a huge public figure like that that has a lot of money because their destructive behavior just seems like them having fun in a lot of ways. Like, they have millions of dollars. So it's and like, they're yeah, just spending their money. Right. Of course, of course he's, at, he's getting prostitutes and, like, doing drugs. That's what people with a ton of money do. But it seems like this guy has a serious problem, took a lot of synthetic Viagra, apparently, which and cocaine, which could have contributed to whatever condition he's in now. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I mean, it doesn't seem good from what no, I've read. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, I feel bad for him. But outside of that, I really don't have much more of an opinion about it because I don't know too much about the guy. But, you know, we'll see. I have read some things in the last couple of days where people are, you know, uh, an reminiscing. Yeah, reminiscing, saying yeah. that he's a good guy and that he, you know, helped a lot of people and, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's sad. He obviously has some demons and... And hopefully he can get better and deal with them. Yeah, well, so we'll just have to see what happens there. Um, Planned Parenthood, listen to this. This one actually kind of pissed me off, dude. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, Planned Parenthood... And we've talked about this, obviously, with the, uh, the Center for Medical Progress. Yes. They released all those sting videos that we debunked and... You know, we haven't brought it up since then because it's kind of a nonsense story and the only people talking about it are Ted Cruz and Mike Huckabee. Fantastic. Uh, On Tuesday, Planned Parenthood President Cecile Roberts said in a letter to the National Institute of Health that the organization would stop taking legal reimbursements for fetal tissue. I think that's a mistake. This is a quote from Cecile Roberts. I agree with you. Planned Parenthood's policies on fetal tissue donation already exceed the legal requirements. Now we're going even further in order to take away any basis for attacking Planned Parenthood in advance, to advance an anti-abortion political agenda. 
I think that's absolute idiocy. Mm-hmm. To me, if you're going to do that, you're, you might as well just admit that you were doing something wrong. Why would you stop taking the legal, totally above board donations just to appear to people that are going to attack you no matter what, like you're not doing anything? It doesn't make any sense. I have a quote from David Delighton from the Center for Medical Progress. He depicted Planned Parenthood's shift as, quote, an admission of guilt. Mm-hmm. Got to agree with him. And he also says, if the money Planned Parenthood has been receiving for baby body parts were truly legitimate reimbursement, why cancel it? I agree with him. I agree with his sentiment. I don't yes. think that they were doing anything illegal and it was fine. But he's right. that That is the appearance of guilt to me. To me, it is the emotion of guilt. Absolutely. You, you can't say that you're following the rules and then all of a sudden say, oh, you know what? We're not going to do it any longer. Of course. Well, and it's also incredibly short-sighted. Like, do you really think that they're just going to stop going after Planned Parenthood? No, they're going to find another issue to attack. Right, because they're never going to even accept that the thing that they were criticizing you for in the first place wasn't a real thing. They, they're still going to, Carly Fiorina's still going to put out her crazy ads about, uh, you know, full fully born babies with beating hearts uh, kicking away on the table and then they cut their arms off. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what's happening. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of a, a weak move by Planned Parenthood. I'm not, I don't support it. They should be get. I mean, whatever. In the long term, I was reading about it. it's not going to hurt their profit really. They don't really need the reimbursement for it. It just mm-hmm. it just covers their costs. They can afford it. Yeah. But just symbolically, I think it's a, a weak move. So I'm not really in favor of that. Yeah. Um. All right. Moving on from that, this is uh, Tamir Rice. You remember the 12 year old yes. from Cleveland that was shot within, I mean, seconds. I have I brought the video because mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about this. We might just watch it quick just to okay. just to remember how quickly this kid was killed. He was in a park playing with a pellet gun or whatever, mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, not a real gun. Cops were called by a woman who said that a man, a man, this kid's mm-hmm. 12, was running around the park with a gun and being erratic, so the cops got called. They show up, and they shoot the kid within... 12 I mean, seconds or something? Forget 12 seconds. I mean, you can count to two, and the kid's dead. They pull up, they jump out, and they shoot him. We have the video. We can mm-hmm. watch it to remind. All right, this is the update about it. Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office released reports Saturday night Filed by outside experts, retired FBI agent Kimberly Crawford and Denver Chief Deputy District Attorney Lamar Sims that both determine Officer Timothy Lehman's killing of 12-year-old Tamir Rice in November 2014 was justified. Now, this isn't an official decision, Mm -hmm. but these are outside experts that they've brought in to see what the situation was. And both of them have determined that the obviously unreasonable, unjustified killing of this kid was reasonable and justified. Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Timothy McGinty said his office, quote, is not reaching any conclusions from the reports. Quote, the gathering of evidence continues and the grand jury will evaluate it all. How much more evidence do you need other than the video that is readily available of this kid getting killed? I have a quote from Kimberly Crawford, and then do you think it's we might as well just look at the video real mm-hmm. quick just to refresh our memory. Kimberly Crawford, the retired FBI agent, one of the outside experts that they've called in, says the relevant inquiry is whether a reasonable officer could have concluded that deadly force is necessary. It is my conclusion that Officer Layman's use of deadly force falls within the realm of reasonableness under the dictates of the Fourth Amendment, which is the right to, you know, you can defend yourself mm-hmm. in use of force. Uh, even if Officer Layman was aware of Rice's age... It would not have made his use of force unreasonable. A 12-year-old with a gun, unquestionably old enough to pull a trigger, poses a threat equal to that of a full-grown adult in a similar situation. No, it does not. 
It absolutely does not. A gun's a gun, though. A gun's a gun, but a 12-year-old's ability to hold a gun, pull the trigger, be accurate, have the type of training. You're telling me that That's a 12-year-old- That's take a life. Yeah, you're yes. t- well, no, I mean, you're right. A gun's a gun. If he gets a shot off and mm-hmm. it hits you, it's gonna. It's a gun. You're right. But you're telling me that a 12-year-old has the type of know-how the same as a 30-year-old adult would have with a gun, the ability to aim and rationalize and do all that stuff? That's fucking... That is crazy. And that's something that always gets brought up with these shootings where the age of a black kid, a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, they often... The perception is that that kid is older and more of a threat than they actually are. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing it seep through here. I mean, that that's crazy to me. Yes. We don't have to watch the video. I promise you it was within two seconds of them pulling up and shooting this kid, and it's a, it's a disaster. 12 years old, they're saying that that's equal to an adult with a gun. No, it's not. How, how much do you think the, the actual gun was enough to shoot then? It's not. What do you mean? Well, uh, apparently from the reports I read, the, the, any orange marking to dictate that it was a fake pellet gun was removed. Okay. So by all accounts, it's a real gun. I mean, look, I can understand maybe the fact that they would they would there. The cops show up thinking that there's a, quote, man there with a gun. Mm-hmm. Now, they sh- they pull up and they jump out and they don't even they don't even think about it. I mean, they, they don't even have to put down the gun. Nothing. Nothing. Why would they not pull? Th- because the other thing in the video, they pull up within like f- we talked about this already, mm-hmm. but I just want to recap it. They pull up within feet of him. Why not pull up uh, across the street? And get out and yell at him. I mean, I think we talked about this yes. the first time we talked about it. Um, sure. But they, they didn't give themselves enough time to even see if there would have been a, some kind of marking on the gun. So to me, that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. They just pull up assuming, oh, this is an, a man with a gun and he's brandishing it. It's, a, it's fucked up. And I, I'm really uh, – we'll see where it goes. But okay. obviously the writing is on the wall with this that they're probably going to say that, yeah, they should have killed this kid, mm-hmm. even though obviously they shouldn't have. And they're wrong after the fact. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it wasn't a real gun. So they were never in any real danger. Danger. So that's a fuck up to me. Um, got anything else to say about that? No. ISIS. Now this is the story that I forgot about last week. And I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to have a little bit of a discussion about it because I think it's – I think it's ridiculous. Yes. The, okay. According to a U.S. House Committee on Homeland Security, I don't want to say the number. You already know the number, right? Yes. That I was going to say. Okay. X amount of Americans have attempted to join ISIS since 2011. Evan, would you like to take a guess? Because Joey already knows the number. How many Americans do you think since 2011 have attempted to join ISIS? If you had to swing a guess. 45. Okay, you son of a bitch. He actually, he, mm-hmm. he was pretty close. Uh, he picked the right number. Uh, 58 Americans have tried to join ISIS since 2011. I saw this on a Fox News segment called The Rise of Islamic Extremism, and they started it with a shocking new report. That's how they started the segment. Mm-hmm. That 58 people <laughs> in the last four years have tried to join ISIS, that's 14 and a half a year. Yes, it's very shocking. Yeah, that's it's shockingly low. That's That's like... That's what you think. Evan guessed off the cuff, 45, right? Yeah. Well, how is that shocking? How is that the rise of Islamic extremism? I was relieved to see that it was only 58 people. Because it's 58 people more than it was. No, it really wasn't because they've been tracking this for a long time. 
Of the 58, 15 of them come from Minnesota. Mm. Not a huge surprise. There's a pretty big uh, Muslim population in Minnesota. So okay. I guess if you're going to, I mean, really like a, a pretty good population. So if you're going to find a place maybe where you could, quote, radicalize, I hate using that phrase, but if you could radicalize someone, that might be where in you'd Minnesota. start. 58's not a big deal. 14 a year. This is the rise of Islamic extremism. That's great. We shouldn't even be worrying about it at all. Let them go. Yeah. 58 people tried to join. Go. I have no problem with that. Like do, when I see, if I if I'm if I'm seeing a shocking report, we're talking 58,000 people, right? Yes, That's a shocking. Lot of, couple thousand here and there, yes. Yeah. 58 is not, it's not even a goddamn problem. No. 58 Americans a year win the lotto. You know what I mean? It's like not a big deal. And on top of that, they caught them all. Right. Right. And that's the other thing, attempted to join ISIS. Yeah. The, that's the problem with Fox News, and that's that's the issue when you see a lot of the Republican debates, why they're always freaking out about ISIS and terrorism and this and that. Yeah, because they're, Im- they're imagining a problem that doesn't really exist. Even when they know that it's not a problem like this, 58 people, they still call it the rise of extremism. Mm-hmm. It's shocking. No, it's not. Stop wetting the bed. It's not a problem. Why don't you just relax? Is that a t- Are you writing down a title? Yes, Stop I am. wetting the bed? That might be a good one. Um, all right. I just wanted to bring that up, and I was annoyed at myself for not remembering it last week. Because uh, I just, I, it's not an issue. Why don't you just calm down? Um, this is the next thing we're going to get into. I got I to have water. I'm parched. I'm okay. talking too fast. Steve Jobs and Carly Fiorina. This is something that I'm very excited about. I want to give credit to the guy that wrote it, Steve Levy on Medium.com. I just kind of like synthesized his story. I didn't mm-hmm. like do this research, but I did see it. Uh, and we're going to get into it. In one second, I'm going to have a sip of my Polar Seltzer strawberry watermelon while Joey entertains the crowd. So I happen to have some inside information on this one. Turns out that Carly had some patents on hand, which she wasn't aware no, you, of. No, oh. no. See what you're doing? Yes. See, Alicia, listen. You listen to me and you listen good. This is why I don't do it because I send Joey the notes. This is a new thing we've been doing, which I think is good. I, mm-hmm. I write up all my notes. I send them to Joey and he looks at them before we do the show. He just started. He, he cut ahead in the Carly Fiorina Steve oh. Jobs story without – Contribute. I mean, that that drives me crazy. You just okay. gave a spoiler. All right, no story. more spoilers. No, you just got to talk. You talk to Evan or something. If I if I throw it to you like that. Okay, talk to Evan. <laughs> yes, write that down. That's a little <laughs> note that you might be able to take to yourself. This is a great story, and I think it speaks to Carly Fiorina's uh, nonsense a- appeal. People are into Carly Fiorina because she talks tough and she seems like she knows what she's talking about. This story is brutal. If I were her, it's extremely embarrassing. This is a terrible story. Fiorina said during the last GOP debate that Steve Jobs, her friend, called to tell her it was okay that HP fired her because he'd been fired by Apple twice and it was no big deal. And that was like a good moment in the debate for her where Mm -hmm. I think we played it where people, you know, she got a little bit of an applause there and she kind of fluffed off that her HP tenure wasn't terrible. She's like, look, even Steve Jobs, my friend Steve Jobs got fired. So it's fine. Well, this article talks a little bit differently about their relationship and how Steve Jobs viewed her. January 2004, Carly Fiorina and Jobs made a deal for HP, which Mm -hmm. she was running at the time, to sell HP iPods. Same product. They were exactly the same thing, except they were going to be branded with HP logo on them. Okay. HP's motto at the time was invent which seems contrary to the idea of just taking somebody else's and putting putting your stamp on it i have a quote from carly fiorina at the time she was at the ces which i guess is some kind of technology conference january 8th 2004 on why apple excuse me chose hp 
because HP is a company that's an innovator. We believe innovation is our lifeblood. It's why Invent sits on our logo. Does that aggravate you to shit that even in 2004 she was saying innovation? That's it does her- not anger me as much as it angers you. <laughs> that's probably true. But that's her goddamn thing that she always says. She was saying it then. She's saying nothing. it now. She's saying it now. Uh, okay. In return for allowing HP to co-brand the iPod, Apple got HP to preload iTunes and the Apple Store into all of its PCs. We're talking millions of computers mm-hmm. at this point. The fee for this in like a normal straight deal should have been hundreds of millions of dollars. All HP got was the ability to resell the iPod as like sort of their thing too. Uh, that seems like a mistake. Yeah, well, she, I mean, she just wasted hundreds of an opportunity for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I have a quote from a guy that was like a leader at Apple at the time. He says, this was a highly strategic move to block HP and Compaq, which they bought, from installing Windows Media Store on their PCs. We wanted iTunes Music Store to be a definitive winner. Steve only did this deal because of that. So smart. Jobs was like, okay, yeah, you can you can put out your own version of the iP- the iPod, mm-hmm. but we're gonna get to put our Apple, pro- you know, iTunes in the store in every fucking computer that you put out, which is a millions and millions of dollars that he got for free. Essentially, yes. he got okay. to distribute the software. Right now, listen to this. What's even better? By the time HP was selling iPods, Apple had already released newer models. <laughs> Fiorina failed to secure the right to sell the newest iPods, and they had to wait months after each new Apple model was widely available to start selling that same model. So she wasted a chance to get hundreds of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. gave Jobs the opportunity to put Apple products into Microsoft computers or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Windows based computers. At the same time, Fiorina, the innovator, failed to, to lock up the ability to sell the iPod in a timely fashion. So by the time HP was selling it. People already had. It's after the fact. Yeah, and it's all technology. Have, yeah, they already have the. It's obsolete technology. They already had the Apple version. All right, this gets better. Mm-hmm. I love this story because it just shows like what a dummy she is. She's pretending that HP was run really well while she was there, and that there was just outside forces. No, she was terrible at her job, and the story perfectly illustrates it. Fiorina was adamant that HP would be able to sell a quote fetching shade of blue colored iPod as the HP version. Not true. When HP released their version, it was just like the Apple one. It was white, exactly the same way the iPod, the Apple one was, with a small HP logo on it. That was the only difference. That's not enough. Not enough. Fiorina's fired from HP in February 2005. HP ended the iPod deal in July that year, but HP, as per the deal, couldn't sell a competitor to the iPod until August 2006. So she locked them into only being able to sell one type of iPod, the Apple one, and not sell their own shit uh, for another year after. So it's over already. They're mm-hmm. not going to be able to compete in that, in that space. Also, this is what's really interesting. When HP acquired Compaq in 2002, which I was reading about that, uh, another terrible decision on her part. They, they gained nothing from that. They just wasted money. This is something that could have been good about it, which you alluded to. Mm -hmm. Uh, HP got all of Compaq's patents, one of which was a hard disk MP3 player containing several key parts Apple would later use in the iPod. Okay, so Compaq had already started building uh, some kind of MP3 player way before Apple put theirs out. And in that 
compact version, there was a lot of the technology that Apple would later use. If Fiorina knew this, mm-hmm. knew what they purchased with the compact purchase, she didn't, by the way, HP could have claimed Apple infringed on their intellectual property to get a better deal or even sue Apple or whatever. They could have they could have been the leader with the iPods. Yes. Failed. Total total failure. Got a quote from this guy, Rob Glazer, the Rhapsody. Rhapsody's a music company, mm-hmm. co-chair. They actually ended up working with HP after the uh you know, after the Apple deal expired, mm. he said, Stephen Apple fleeced HP in that deal. HP's version of the iPod was a failure and Apple was able to grow the iPod. Yes. <sighs> well, how different everything could have been if she knew about the patents. Absolutely. Well, how different things could have been if she just wasn't uh, in charge. This is final two quotes. Then we'll move on to the uh, Ben Carson Holocaust stuff. And then we'll uh, end with the uh, Stephen Hawking thing. And we'll move on to the debate, which I'm excited to get into. Fiorina, said, I think what Apple saw is an innovative company that they respected. The Apple guy, the Apple leader at the time said, Mm -hmm. we knew we were snowing them the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that make you happy? Yes. It really does. She's like, they respect our innovation. And and Steve Jobs is my friend. No, he's not your friend, dummy. He's a ruthless animal (laughs) who took total advantage of you and you failed miserably. And you're going to pretend that you didn't. Yep. Isn't that great? I I, I like that story a lot. It, It speaks volumes. Massive volumes, yeah. That's encyclopedias of nonsense. That's really what it is. It's just crazy. And uh, that's the, uh, you know, that's somebody that did really well in the the Republican debate. Doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Uh, Ben Carson this week made some remarks about the Holocaust that were pretty interesting. And I have a video clip to prove it. Would you like to hear what Ben Carson had to say, Joey? Yes, I do. This is Ben Carson being interviewed by Wolf Blitzer on CNN. Let's see what he has to say, and then we'll talk about it. We've got some facts also. Ben. German citizens were disarmed by their government in the late 1930s, and by the mid-1940s, Hitler's regime had mercilessly slaughtered six million Jews. This is a quote from Carson's book, A More Perfect Union, which, by the way, I read today. Did you know that Ben Carson hasn't done any campaign stuff since October 2nd? Really? He suspended his campaign just to do a media tour about his book and won't resume his presidential campaign until October 28th. Huh. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that a guy that's like running for president is just- Has taking, time for a book deal? Well, not only has time, is stopping running for president to make time to sell the book. <laughs> that So the two front runners in the Republican Party are on book tours and hosting Saturday Night Live. That's what yes. they're doing. All right, let's, let's continue with this. And numerous others whom they considered inferior. Through a combination of removing guns and disseminating deceitful propaganda, the Nazis were able to carry out their evil intentions with relatively little resistance. So what is the, what is the point you're trying to make if, if there had been guns in Germany, my, there might not have been a Holocaust? My, my point is they were... <laughs> Which is never... <laughs> it's so funny when you have to ask a question like, so what are you saying? The Holocaust could have been stopped? I, I don't yeah. understand. That was only one of the countries that I mentioned. There were a number of countries where tyranny reigned, and before it happened, they disarmed the people. That was the point. Noah Webster said, when he was talking about tyranny, that the people of America would never suffer tyranny because they are armed. So, but just clarify, if if there had been... So, okay, yeah, whatever you just said doesn't make sense. Go back to the Holocaust thing, what? Mm -hmm. 
no gun control uh, laws in Europe at that time. Would six million Jews have been slaughtered? I think the likelihood of, of Hitler being able to accomplish his goals would have been greatly diminished if the people had been armed. Because they had a powerful military machine, <laughs> as you know, the Nazis. <laughs> I, lo I love that Walt Blitz is like, but you do understand that they were the fucking Nazis, right? Yes. That, that they were pretty well armed. That was their favorite thing to do, is arm their soldiers and attack shit. That's what and they like doing. And tanks and everything you, else. You get that, right, Mr. Carson, Dr. Carson? I understand that. They could have simply gone in, and they did go in and wipe out whole communities. But you realize there was a reason that they took the guns first, right? So you, you believe... Okay, so, all right, yes. so then that nonsense just continues. Now, for, at face value, maybe, I mean, maybe, you could be like, yeah, I guess he's right. Maybe if the Jews had guns, they could have fended off the Nazis. But... Not enough to make a difference. Yeah, not enough to make a difference. Here's why. In Germany, in 1938, there was 525,000 Jews total. That's 0.95% of the German population. 525,000 Jews. We're talking men, women, children, mm -hmm. elderly. So of the 525,000, cut it in half is just men who would probably be in the army at that time. So now you're talking like, what, 275,000. Of the men, how many are old? How many are children? Let's say there's 200,000 people that are actually going to have guns that can actually do anything to defend against the Nazis, right? Mm -hmm. That's the math I'm doing in my head. 1938, the German army. How many people are in the German army, Joey, in 1938? Three million? 600,000. Okay. All right, so you go, all right, 525,000 versus 600,000. We're really talking 200,000 Jews that are really going to be able to fucking fight mm -hmm. Nazi soldiers, okay? So it's 600,000 Nazis to 200,000 Jews that are going to be able to defend themselves. If they had guns, maybe. 1939, 1.5 million Germans in the army. Mm -hmm. And then in 1940, just a mere two years later, 2.5 million Germans. So this guy's saying that if the Jews had guns, mm -hmm. the 525,000 Jews that are in Germany would be able to fend off 2.5 million Nazi soldiers, tanks, all this shit. R really? Yeah. Is that really what you're saying? Also, not, not to mention all the other people uh, across Europe, in Poland, the Polish mm -hmm. Jews, all this stuff. Yeah, they were real, they were going to be able to stop the, the Nazis. Sure. And just because you give somebody a gun doesn't make them a soldier either. Because you have to do the training. Uh, There's so point. much that goes into it. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean by just saying, like, I'm not saying that the women, you know, women Jews couldn't fight if they had guns. I'm sure they would try to defend themselves. But right, we're talking who's actually going to be able to, to, to mount an offensive against yes. the, the Germans. There's also pictures, if you do research about this, some of the Jews did have guns. And you know what happened to them? They got killed and hung in the town square with like signs around their neck that were mm -hmm. like, I shot at German soldiers. That's why I'm hanging here. Yeah. That's the reality. He's also saying like somehow the Jews didn't fight back at all. I, I really don't know why he would even bring it up in his book. Because he's a silly goose. This is the guy that we talked about last week where – he says stuff, and it's like it sounds logical, mm -hmm. but it's not logical. It's totally illogical. It's the same thing as like you have a gun to your head and be like, "Hey, everyone, come fight Russia. this bad man!" Because he can't fight. Like, are you out of your mind? Yeah, you're right. We should the Jews should have had semi-automatic weapons, and the Holocaust, poof, would have been uh, averted. You're right. There was no anti-Semitism sentiment in, in, in Germany at the time. Hitler and his Nazi party hadn't risen through the ranks. I mean. He's right. It was literally just a, a a battle of attrition, and if they had guns, they probably would have been able to fend it off. No, nah, he's delusional. What what a what a mope this guy is. It just doesn't make any sense. 
Also, Fox News poll came out. Donald Trump, first place, 24%. Ben Carson, second place, 23%. That's a jump up. Huge jump up because I guess he's not campaigning. So, so I, guess, <laughs> I guess there's a correlation between Ben Carson not campaigning. People like him more. Uh, Ted Cruz is in third place with 10%. The three leaders in the Republican primary right now cannot be the president. Will not be the president. I would hope not. Cannot be elected. So, great. They're in great position right now. Uh I have the Stephen Hawking uh, quote about what should scare us. You interested in this? Yes. This is a good uh, segue, I think, into the uh, the Democratic debate stuff. Stephen Hawking was giving a uh, Reddit AMA, you know, and asked me anything on Reddit. Mm-hmm. This is his quote. If machines produce everything we need, the outcome will depend on how things are distributed. Everyone can enjoy a life of luxurious leisure if the machine-produced wealth is shared or most people can end up miserably poor if the machine owners successfully lobby against wealth redistribution. So far, the, se- the trend seems to be toward the second option, with technology driving ever-increasing inequality. Yes, that would make sense to me. <laughs> that seems about right. Yes, I think Hawking's onto something, and it's interesting because I think, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I know that we've talked about it you know, outside of the podcast. Yeah, machines can make a huge difference, and they could actually free people from – forget the six-hour workday. It could be the no-hour workday mm-hmm. because the machines are taking care of everything pretty much. But if corporations are in control of them, it's going to be a big problem, and that's exactly what, what Hawking is talking about. Like unabridged capitalism is going to create this uneven distribution of wealth like we have right now where the tenth of 1% really controls a lot of the wealth. If they control the machines too, they control the means of production – they don't need us. They don't need the poor. You know, I'm not saying they don't they need the poor. workers at all. Right. But they don't need the workers at all. It could be a situation where everybody could be liberated or it could be a situation where everybody's essentially enslaved by, uh, you know, a very top down system, which is kind of what we're seeing now. Yeah, because if you think about it, that means that there would be no need for the workers. And if the workers don't have jobs, they don't have money. And if they don't have money, they can't put food on the table. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a huge domino effect. It's just interesting that a guy like Hawking, um, you know, I like that he talks about this type of stuff and it, and it does kind of um, it makes sense. You know, like he's a genius. But what he's saying is very obviously something that people can understand. And I like, yes, I like that he puts out information about going to space and, you know, the robot takeover and all this stuff. It's good. It's also very interesting that he takes his own personal time, which is now probably very limited to even bother having people ask him questions at all. Absolutely. And what, yeah, you're absolutely right. For, you mean limited in terms of that he's popular and that he's got a lot to mm-hmm. do. It's also limited in the fact that he's eventually not going to be able to move anymore and he won't be able to communicate. Yeah. That's what's even sadder about that guy. But whatever. We get into Stephen Hawking another day. Joey, are you interested in getting into this Democratic debate coverage? Yes. Did you watch the debate? I did watch the debate. And to be honest, I was a little bit upset. You were upset by what? Yes. I, I thought it was going to start at 8.30, and then all of a sudden I look, and it's like 9 o'clock. Yeah, that was the scheduled debate time, yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was scheduled at 8.30. I'm sorry. No, okay. Well, all right. Well, so that so those are your thoughts. Yeah. That, Do you think... Yeah, you know, we'll get into like more. I was going to ask you who you thought won, whatever. We're, we're going to get into it. I got a lot of notes. Did the same amount of notes that I did for like a Republican debate. Although I'll say this, mm-hmm. the tone of this is so much different than a Republican debate. Republican debate, you're going through... You're lucky if you get a couple of answers about anything real, and then it's mostly infighting and blaming Hillary for stuff and mm-hmm. yelling about ISIS. That's mostly what's going on. This actually was substantive, I feel like. Nice. Much more so than de- the Republican debate, but whatever. We'll get into that as we go. 
Four, what are, I'm not going to give the times. Cheryl Crow sings the anthem. Why did this happen? Who knows? Those are my actual comments on that. We'll just start off with this, and then we'll get into the next quote. This is Cheryl Crow singing the anthem. Why would she be singing the national anthem, Joe? It's totally unnecessary. Well, who would you have chosen? No one. Why are they singing the anthem at all? Because it's it's very democratic. Oh, oh, it's too loud. How's that volume wise? Good. Yeah, it's fine. By the dawn's early light, so proud? Oh, a little pitchy, I felt like, right? I, I think she's she's doing a great job. All right, I think you're wrong. Anyway, we'll skip ahead. So that was a national anthem sang at the beginning of this thing for absolutely no reason. Uh, I wrote Now, again, for people that haven't listened to our other debate coverage, but I'm sure a lot of people have, I'm very confident that a lot of people mm-hmm. have listened to our debate coverage. Um, I just wrote down notes as I was watching it. So I'd stop it, I'd write a little note, yes. whatever. Some of it is going to involve clips. Some of it is just kind of thoughts that I had, and it's not necessary to play the clip. The first thing I wrote was Lincoln Chafee, who's the goddamn guy whose name I forget every time, mm-hmm. uh, is such a sweetie. He seems genuine. He can't win, likely. I liked his opening statement. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about that. We don't have to play it. So Chafee to you is too much of a nice guy. No, nah, he's just a sweet. I'm not saying too much. I'm just saying I think he's a sweetheart. Sweetheart. He's, he's a sweet guy. Uh, he like When he talks, I'm like, ah. Even if he's wrong, I'm like, no, whatever. He's a, he's a nice guy. Jim Webb, who's the other guy that's on the stage that I'm sure a lot of people don't even know about, mm-hmm. he is a Republican, <laughs> basically. like okay. Most of his answers just come across as pretty Republican. I don't know why he is a Democrat. It doesn't really make sense. Seems like a decent guy, though. Now, I, uh, may I just mention one thing I w- realized about Mr. Webb? Yes. He spent a lot of time complaining that he wasn't getting his fair share yes, which of I, time, yes. which I feel greatly worked against him. Oh, absolutely. He looks like an absolute baby asshole. Yeah, well, I have that. You have that in the Yeah, for sure. But yes, of course. It never looks good. It's like when Huckabee does it, where he's like, I only get a few brief minutes, and I want to waste (laughs) it talking about the war on Christianity. Uh, Yeah, Webb really, you're not gaining points with that. You look stupid. Uh, The first clip we have, Bernie Sanders opening remarks. I think he crushes it. Okay. He articulates the core issues that need to be corrected in America. He led with money in politics. He ate Lessig's lunch. Larry Lessig, the guy that we talked about, mm-hmm. he was not allowed on this debate, which is bullshit. They should have had him They in. really... Oh. Well, did you see him there? You That's a good the point. Uh, they should have let him in. They didn't do that. Uh, but I think Bernie Sanders is kind of doing what Lessig would have done anyway. Sanders is leading off with yes. money in politics. That's the right way to do it. He uh, Sanders also brought up racial disparity... Uh, the racial disparity in unemployment and incarceration. Great. That's mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter thing. I think he's he's on top of it. They do bring up Black Lives Matter later in the debate. We'll play that clip. Whatever. This is Bernie Sanders' opening remarks. Uh, here we go. Governor O'Malley, thank you very much. Senator Sanders. Anderson, thank you very much. I think most Americans understand that our country today faces a series of unprecedented crises. The middle class of this country for the last 40 years has been disappearing. Millions of Americans are working longer hours for low wages, and yet almost all of the new income and wealth being created is going to the top 1%. As a result of this disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision, our campaign finance system is corrupt and is undermining American democracy. Millionaires and billionaires are pouring unbelievable sums of money into the political process in order to fund super PACs and to elect candidates who represent their interests, not the interests of working people. Today, the scientific community is virtually unanimous. 
Climate change is real. It is caused by human activity. And we have a moral responsibility to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy and leave this planet a habitable planet for our children and our grandchildren. Today in America, we have more people in jail than any other country on earth. African-American youth unemployment is 51%. Hispanic youth unemployment is 36%. It seems to me that instead of building more jails and providing more incarceration, maybe, just maybe, we should be putting money into education and jobs for our kids. What this campaign is about is whether we can mobilize our people to take back our government from a handful of billionaires and create the vibrant democracy we know we can and should have. Thank you. All right. Thoughts, Joey? Very high energy. High energy. Here's what I'm going to say, because I, I I didn't read any. This is, this is the way I do it. I don't mm-hmm. DVR the debate. I don't watch it live. I had other shit going on, so I watched it later. I wait till it comes out online so I can get the video, do time codes so we can you know have the yes. clips and I know what I'm talking about. I don't read any uh, opinion about how the debate went or anything until after I do mine, so that way it's not tainted. Okay. What I did read after the fact was that Hillary did a great job, that they hurt, that she hit Bernie Sanders hard on guns, which we're going to get into in a little bit, Mm -hmm. and that she won the debate. Most people that watched, people that were doing like uh, viewing parties and Mm -hmm. things like that, they liked Bernie Sanders a lot and they think that he won the debate. I'll say this, and I was talking to Evan before we started recording. If Bernie Sanders, by this debate performance, doesn't increase his poll numbers, doesn't become more popular, and doesn't kind of overtake Hillary mm-hmm. in some kinds of ways, It's he's never going to. Because they, he represented himself, I think, the way that he is. Yes. That's who he is. He answered all the questions the right way. And to me, it's bullshit if people are going... Well, we'll get into the gun thing. I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into it. But if this didn't work, like if people didn't respond to this, they're never going to respond to him because that's who he is all the time. People said that he was unprepared somehow. To me, it seemed like all of his answers were genuine and mm-hmm. what he always talks about. So it, did he not put on this uh, this show maybe that Hillary was trying to do? Maybe, but that's not his style. That's not the guy he is. No, it's not. So, all right, we'll see as it goes on, but that's just my two cents on it. I, I do have to say, though, the one person that I was surprised by and I felt came out on top, maybe uh, didn't win the debate, but came out on top, was definitely O'Malley. You liked him? Yeah, I, I did like him, yes. I got to be honest. He comes across very rehearsed. He he reminds me of Rubio in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. not not in terms of policy, but just in terms of presentation. I, I Like, okay, fine, but I, I've seen Martin O'Malley before. I'm not crazy about the guy. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily like his presentation. Oh. What? Sorry to cut you off, but I, I just... See, at least you see what happens? I, I, I just remembered. Uh, a moment that was perfect, and you probably have it down, uh-huh. was the whole email thing. Yeah, of course. That's the big moment. Yeah, yes. I definitely have that. Yes, that's a big moment. And I, again, a big moment for Bernie Sanders. We're going to get yes. into that. Um, shit, what, were we say- what was I saying? Oh, O'Malley. Yes. Let's be honest here. I mean, realistically, the only two people that matter, not matter, but have a chance of doing mm-hmm. anything, are Sanders and Clinton. So this debate, for the most part, is 
who did better, who answered what, how do you feel mm-hmm. about what they had to say, Clinton and Sanders. O'Malley, I guess, is probably going to get points because people are going to know who he is now a yes. little bit. But Webb and Chafee have no chance. O'Malley is a distant third. He could be vice president maybe to Hillary mm-hmm. if she won the nomination. But uh, he doesn't have a chance. But I, I, I'm not crazy about him. You liked him. That's fine. We have some mm-hmm. clips and, and we'll get there. This is Hillary Clinton's opening remarks. Here's the difference between her response and Bernie's. Okay, to me. Yes. This is all my opinion. When she says it, it sounds like she planned it out, which she did. And when he says it, it sounds like it is how he really feels, because it is how he really feels. Mm-hmm. Now, some people, uh, Mark Halpern, I guess, is a political commentator. He was the one that said that I read that Bernie seemed unprepared. It's not unprepared. He's just not super rehearsed the way that Hillary yeah. would be. Hillary's big problem is that she is not a human being. People don't like her as a person. You know what I mean? Can't go in around saying Hillary's not a human being. I can say, of course I can. I can say whatever I want. She is not likable. You know, she's not a personal person. That's her big issue. I think most people, you know, obviously people on the right are like, what did she do? She's unqualified. No, she's not unqualified. She's been in office. She's been a senator. She's been secretary of state. She's done it all. She's been around the block a few times. She's qualified. Okay. You might not like her. You might not like her policy position, but she's qualified. The problem with her is that people don't don't get a vibe from her where they're like, yeah, she's cool. Like she has mm-hmm. our best. She, it seems like she's full of shit. Bernie Sanders is the total opposite. That guy, you know exactly what you're getting from Bernie yes. Sanders. Now, let with that being said, let's listen to Hillary's opening remark, uh, and then we'll move on from there. Secretary Clinton. Well, thank you, and thanks to everyone. I will say this. I think she did a nice job with this debate. I'm not saying yes. she didn't. I like Bernie Sanders. I support more of what Bernie Sanders has to say. I believe what he's saying more than I believe what she's saying. Uh, but I think for like the general public that's going to be watching this, she did fine. She mm-hmm. did really well. One for hosting this first of the Democratic debates. I'm Hillary Clinton. I have been proud and privileged to serve as First Lady, as a senator from New York, and as Secretary of State. I'm the granddaughter of a factory worker and the grandmother of a wonderful one-year-old child. And every day, I think about what we need to do to make sure that opportunity is available, not just for her, but for all of our children. I have spent a very long time, my entire adult life, looking for ways to even the odds to help people have a chance to get ahead, and in particular, to find the ways for each child to live up to his or her God-given potential. I've traveled across our country over the last months listening and learning, and I've put forward specific plans about how we're going to create more good-paying jobs by investing in infrastructure and clean energy, by making it possible once again to invest in science and research and taking the opportunity posed by climate change to grow our economy. At the center of my campaign is how we're going to raise wages. Yes, of course, raise the minimum wage, but we have to do so much more, including finding ways so that companies share profits with the workers who help to make them. And then we have to figure out how we're going to make the tax system a fairer one. Right now, the wealthy pay too little and the middle class pays too much. So I have specific recommendations about how we're going to close those loopholes, make it clear that the wealthy will have to pay their fair share and have a series of tax cuts for middle class families. And I want to do more to help us balance family and work. I believe in equal pay. Oh, like Sweden, you see? Mm -hmm. 
show's extremely high production value, Joey. It's really good. Yes. For equal work for women. But I also believe it's about time we have paid family leave for American families and join the rest of the world. During the course of the evening tonight, I'll have a chance to lay out all of my plans and the work that I've done behind them. But for me, this is about bringing our country together again. And I will do everything I can to heal the divides, the divides economically, because there's too much inequality, the racial divides, the continuing discrimination against the LGBT community, so that we will work together. And yes, finally, fathers will be able to say to their daughters, you too can grow up to be president. So many points right there. Yeah, she squeezed a lot of stuff in. But like I said, that's the she's polished. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like she planned that out. Those to me sound like very classic Democratic ideas. Yes. What Bernie Sanders is putting out is a progressive vision. It's Mm -hmm. a different, it's, it's much, much more to the left. It's much more um, progressive, like I said, than what she's putting out. But people that are listening um, and just have a general knowledge of what's going on, she probably appeals to them more. The challenge is going to be, maybe I'm wrong about that. If Bernie does appeal to those people, then she's going to be in a lot of trouble because he, he, I think presented his ideas pretty well. I, I still think at the end of the day, he's too far left. Maybe. Then why is he doing so well in the poll? I mean, that's always the question, right? This is a this is a center right country. Mm-hmm. We can pretend that Bill Clinton was this like liberal bastion. He wasn't. People pretend that Obama's this like liberal, you know, guy. He's not. They're pretty moderate. I mm-hmm. mean, for the most part. And I, I don't see Hillary, like I said, is running a progressive campaign. When it gets to actually being in office, she's a moderate. And and we know that. Mm-hmm. Because she brings it up at a at a certain point in this, and we'll, we'll get into it. Uh the next clip I have Hillary addresses her, quote, evolving positions for political expediency. They asked her about it. She discusses the TPP a little bit, and she says she's a progress. Oh, here, here we go. This is the clip that I was talking about. She says she's a progressive who likes to get things done. And in my notes, I said, which means she's a moderate. Mm-hmm. Like a progressive who likes to get things done means, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have like these fanciful ideas. But when it comes down to it, I'm, you know, I'm not married to those ideas. I'm just going to try to get stuff done. Okay. That's code to me of like I'm a moderate. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not this socialist weirdo over here. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, all right. Let me just get to that clip and we'll listen to what Hill Dog has to say about it. Nineteen. That's fine. Uh, but I want to begin with concerns that voters have about each of the candidates here on the stage that they have about each of you, Secretary Clinton. I want to start with you. Plenty of politicians evolve on issues, but even some Democrats believe you change your positions based on political expediency. You are against same-sex marriage. Now you're for it. You defended President Obama's immigration policies. Now you say they're too harsh. You supported his trade deal dozens of times. You even called it the gold standard. Now suddenly... Which we know. We saw the clip of her talking about the TPP. Yes. So what she's about to say about the TPP is not true. She was like, I wasn't supporting... Yeah, you were. You were going around the, con- the world as, a, as Secretary of State, and you were promoting the TPP. Let's not pretend you weren't. And this is also what we talked about last week, where her policy, she's not married to an ideology. No. I think she probably does believe the stuff she's saying for the most part and that ideally she would get it done. But again, she's not married to it the way that Bernie Sanders would be. She's willing to change her position Mm -hmm. after the fact. She's never ahead of the curve. She comes a little bit after the curve. And that comes up a number of times during this debate. Let's listen to her and her answers about the evolving positions. Last week, you're against it. Will you say anything to get elected? Well, actually, I have been very consistent over the course of my entire life. I have always fought for the same values and principles. But like most human beings, including those of us who run for office, 
I do absorb new information. I do look at what's happening in the world. Um, you know, take the trade deal. I did say when I was Secretary of State three years ago that I hoped it would be the gold standard. It was just finally negotiated last week. And in looking. But that's bullshit because we've been talking about it for months. Like, mm-hmm. this stuff has been out there. It's like you can't pretend that last week, now when it comes out, oh, no, no, I'm against it. No, you knew what the fuck was going on. Come on. Yeah. You were there when it was being negotiated, you were involved in it. That's ridiculous. Looking at it, it didn't meet my standards, my standards for more new good jobs for America. However, here's the here's the other thing. Sorry if I'm stopping it, but here's the other thing. She did actually change her position on it now. She, now, she's say, now she's saying, no, I'm not for the TPP. Good, she shouldn't be. Just because she used to be doesn't mean that now she's saying she's not for it. You know, it's good that she has changed her position on it. The problem is what else while she's in office will she get wrong? Will she get wrong until she gets right? You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. the issue. But yes, she's not for it where most a lot of the Republicans probably are. So that's a difference. That's why I would support her over X, Y, Z and the Republican Party. The problem is Bernie Sanders was against it the whole time. That's the difference, Mm -hmm. you know? for raising wages for Americans. And I want to make sure that I can look into the eyes of any middle-class American and say, this will help raise your wages. And I concluded I could not. Secretary Clinton, though, with all due respect, the question is really about political expediency. Just uh, in July, New Hampshire, you told the crowd you, quote, take a backseat to no one when it comes to progressive values. Last month in Ohio, you said you plead guilty to, quote, being kind of moderate and center. Right. See, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I was talking about. Yes. Bernie Sanders is the fucking most progressive guy in the in the whole election cycle. Yes. She is a moderate. Embrace that. Most people want that. Yeah. Like if the Republicans were- Use it no- to your advantage. Yeah, if the Republicans were just a normal party, if they weren't so outrageously far right and being corrupted by the Tea Party influence and all that shit, they'd win every election. We are a center-right country. And Hillary knows that and Bill knows that. And a lot of Democrats that get elected, that's why they are center, maybe a little to the left, but they're more likely to be center Mm-hmm. you know moderate and deal with the right for the most part so all right do you change your political identity based on who you're talking to no i think that uh, like most people that i know i have a range of views but they are rooted in my values and my experience and i don't take a back seat to anyone when it comes to progressive yeah, except for Bernie uh, experience yeah. and progressive commitment elizabeth you know, when i left law school my first job was with the children's defense fund And for all the years since, I have been focused on how we're going to unstack the deck and how we're going to make it possible for more people to have the experience I had, you know, to be able to come from a grandfather who was a factory worker, a father who was a small business person. Now, stop it. What are you, Marco Rubio? My dad, a bartender. Shut your mouth. You have to show where you come from. I know, but see, that's what I'm saying. But that's political insiders, like a guy like Mm -hmm. Mark Halpern. He looks at this and goes, prepared. He looks at Bernie Sanders. He doesn't pull all these stupid bells and whistles fluff yes. things and goes unprepared. But that's crazy thinking. That's mm-hmm. insane. And now asking the people of America to elect me president. Just for the record, are you a progressive or are you a moderate? I'm a progressive, but I'm a progressive who likes to get things done. And I know how to find common ground and I know how to stand my ground. And I have proved that in every position that I've had, even Dealing with Republicans. All right, whatever. We got the point. Yes. Okay, so she, she's a moderate. Let's come on. You're a moderate. You're running a progressive campaign because you know that that's going to play well right now. But you're a moderate, and everybody should know that. The next thing I want to play is Bernie Sanders has asked how he thinks a socialist could get elected in America because this mm-hmm. is the section where it's like, you're, how are you going to make your biggest flaws work for you? You yes. know what I mean? Uh, he explains what he stands for, which is stuff I support. 
However, the problem is that a huge chunk of the country hears him say words like Europe and the rest of the world and recoils. Mm-hmm. There's a strange fear in the U.S. This is just my opinion. Yes. There's a strange fear in the U.S. about being like the rest of the world. It stems from American exceptionalism, which, as it turns out, means being mediocre in comparable statistics versus other modern countries. In a general election, <laughs> and this is the difference between GOP and Dem voters, in a general election, nationalism and so-called patriotism and jingoism work really well. Even though Bernie is on point with what he wants to do, he has to make it sound like it's the American thing to do. And in my opinion, the way he says it, it doesn't sound that way. Mm-hmm. People are going to hear him talk about European socialism and whatever, and it's a turnoff. Even if they are you know, a moderate Democrat, they're more likely to listen to the jingoism and, and be more, you know, proud of this country and not willing to bash this country, mm-hmm. which is interesting, though, because Trump constantly is like, we're fucked. This country's disgusting. And, <laughs> you know, but it's he's saying it as a leadership failure, not the country itself. Sanders is saying, no, the other countries in Europe are better on mm-hmm. certain terms, which they actually are. But I just think it plays weird. During this, Hillary jumps in and scores points based on what I described above. So let's listen to Bernie Sanders response here about socialism. And then Hillary, I think, uh, dings him during this of getting things done rooted in the same values I've always had. Senator Sanders, a Gallup poll says half the country would not put a socialist in the White House. You call yourself a democratic socialist. How can any kind of socialist win a general election in the United States? Well, we're going to win because first we're going to explain what democratic socialism is. And what democratic socialism is about is saying that it is immoral and wrong that the top one-tenth of one percent in this country own almost 90 percent almost own almost as much wealth as the bottom 90 percent, that it is wrong today in a rigged economy that 57 percent of all new income is going to the top one percent, that when you look around the world, which, by the way, I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. This is Occupy Wall Street stuff. Yes. This is where this came from. I mean, like this was not in the lexicon this is not in the conversation about income inequality the top one percent this is when people are going to chastise what did they stand for and i get the argument that they you know at a certain point like hillary talked about with black uh, lives matter you Mm -hmm. need to have some kind of policy because if you don't present that policy then the people in office are not likely going to take on your cause occupy wall street was very similar they didn't have any leaders but that's kind of a failure but they brought this to the forefront. Let's fucking give yes. them the credit that credit's due, you know? If we had a time machine and we tell Bernie to be there, right. how different would everything be? What do you mean? I don't understand. But be where? What if Sanders was that leader that it needed? Oh, I mean, he is, though. He is now, to, to a certain extent. You know, I mean, Occupy Wall, what are they going to do? They're going to hang out in the park for six years? Like, That's true. You know, they made their point. And I think that it's making a difference. They don't get credit. They got ridiculed in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like, oh, they're fucking hippies and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Meanwhile, this is the biggest stage in the world, essentially, and for politics. And that's what they're talking about. And that's what Hillary's talking about. Well, why is Hillary acting progressive now? Because of shit like that. That's, that's where it sent the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, it pushed it left, which is good because, again, center right country. Bernie, please continue, sir. You see every other major country providing health care to all people as a right, except the United States. You see every other major country saying to moms that when you have a baby, we're not going to separate you from your newborn baby because we are going to have, we are going to have medical and family paid leave like every other country on earth. Those are some of the principles that I believe in. And I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden and Norway, and learn from what they have accomplished for their working people. 
Now, we just talked about it. It's good. It's more productive yes. when you when you do these types of things, when you you know make a balance between work and life. Uh, all the Scandinavian countries you know are are much higher in terms of happiness great great place to live and all this stuff so he's right when he talks about this stuff again like i mentioned how does it play to it the average person well. in america probably doesn't play well but if it does he's gonna be in really good shape because he put this idea mm-hmm. he put the ideas out there i think in, a, in an effective way Denmark is a country that has a population. Denmark is a country that has a population of 5.6 million people. The question is really about. I, he drops that in, doesn't give Sanders a chance to respond. I hate that argument where it's like, well, they have less people. So what? You broaden the program. Mm-hmm. Like if it works for a mi- in a microcosm, it works in a large. Like you just have to. You got to adjust. Yeah, you just adjust it for a larger scale. That doesn't. Okay, so what? That that argument always drives me crazy. Where it's like, well, they only have a certain amount of people. Okay, we have more people, so there's more taxes, so there's more. There's more people to tax, so there's more opportunity to spend money on on the citizenry. It's the same. Mm -hmm. You just expand the program. That shit drives me insane. Electability here. And that's what I'm trying to get at. The the Republican attack act against you in a general election, it writes itself. You supported the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. You honeymooned (laughs) in the Soviet Union. And just this weekend, you said you're not a capitalist. Doesn't doesn't that ad write itself? Well, first of all, let's look at the facts. The facts that are very simple. Republicans win... When there is a low voter turnout, and that is what happened last November, 63% of the American people didn't vote, Anderson. 80% of young people didn't vote. We are bringing out huge turnouts and creating excitement all over this country. Democrats at the White House on down will win when there is excitement and a large voter turnout, and that is what this campaign is doing. You don't consider yourself a capitalist, though. Do I consider myself part of the casino capitalist process by which so few have so much and so many have so little, by which Wall Street's greed and recklessness wreck this economy? No, I don't. I believe in a society where all people do well, not just a handful of billionaires. Now, that plays who, well. Yeah. Who doesn't like that response? Is he making that up? That's who he is. That is great. That's mm-hmm. a great answer. I love that answer. Am I a capitalist in the sense where I'm just going to ruin people's lives for the gain of a few people? No, I'm not. Good answer. Just uh, let me just be clear. Is there any bill, anybody else on the stage who's not a capitalist? Uh, you know what, Anderson Cooper? Why don't you go fuck yourself? You know what I mean? It's like, he had to do it. No, he doesn't have to do it. He, he It's stupid because they're trying to turn this debate into what the GOP debate is, where you can bait them on fucking basically anything, and they're just going to you know trample over each other to be more and more ridiculous. That's not the case here. Uh, is anybody else a capital? No, of course mm-hmm. not. Who's going to say, no, I'm a fucking uh, socialist? Who's going to raise their hand? You know they're not. I know. You know they're not. Well, let let, let me just follow up this on where, that. This is where... Sweet Hill Dog jumps in and I think scores some points. Anderson, because when I think about capitalism, I think about all the small businesses that were started because we have the opportunity and the freedom in our country for people to do that and to make a good living for themselves and their families. And I don't think we should confuse what we have to do every so often in America, which is save capitalism from itself. And I think what Senator Sanders is saying certainly makes sense in the terms of the inequality that we have. But we are not Denmark. I love Denmark. We're the- see, see what she's doing, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Smart play by Hillary Clinton. Because yes. people are, you know, people get uncomfortable when he starts saying things like that, like a radical change. And she, she played on that perfectly. So yes. she made a really, really nice move here. The United States of America, and it's our job 
to rein in the excesses of capitalism so that it doesn't run amok and doesn't cause the kind of inequities that we're seeing in our economic system. But we would be making a grave mistake to turn our backs on what built the greatest middle class in the history Senator of the Sanders? world. I mean, everybody is in agreement that we are a great entrepreneurial nation. We have got to encourage that. Of course, we have to support small and medium-sized businesses. But you can have all of the growth that you want, and it doesn't mean anything if all of the new income and wealth is going to the top 1%. So what we need to do is support small and medium-sized businesses, the backbone of our economy, but we have to make sure that every family in this country gets a fair shake. We're, we're, we're going to we're gonna have a lot more. All right. So I think he responded well to that, but it's she she scored points there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems yes. like that was definitely a, a good moment for her. Not that anything that Bernie Sanders said was wrong. I, I agree with him. And also, I think the nature, the very nature of capitalism is inequality. I don't think you can really have a true capitalist society where it benefits everyone. It doesn't. No. You're going to always have this kind of unequal thing where, yeah, some people are going to do well. Some people are going to do extremely well because they control the means of production and they get to then write the laws based on our stupid system. And then there's just going to be definitely a, a poor class that you know, varies in size depending, I guess, on who's in office. But capitalism by its nature is going to create haves and haves nots. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Uh, okay, so that happened. Lincoln Chafee, uh, they ask him a question. He explains why he went from being a Republican to an independent to a Democrat. He says the Republican Party left him as a liberal Republican. That's probably yeah. true. I think that's fair. O'Malley touts himself as Baltimore's mayor, quote, instituted a zero-tolerance policing policy, which led to a lot of unrest and resentment as witnessed uh, this year. Freddie Gray obviously being the, uh, the tipping point there. I wrote, I don't like O'Malley's tone, frankly. He also defends policing policies. The NAACP and the ACLU sued Baltimore because of the amount of arrests that took place there. Uh, whatever. We don't have to get into yeah. that whole thing. I have some O'Malley clips later. Webb is against diversity programs for the most part when they're not aimed at black people, which I didn't really understand what he's saying. He's, he's against like affirmative action unless it is specifically for black people. Yeah, it's, it's odd. It's kind of a weird point of view. His point of view being like, because of slavery, they're at a bigger disadvantage. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I mean, look, I didn't take Webb too seriously because he's not gonna mm-hmm. win you know so it's like we don't have to waste a ton of time on this now this is the section about guns and this is where i think d- fucking democrats are doing themselves a disservice uh going after bernie sanders here yeah this is a part where hillary apparently did very well and she uh, this is this is what i have sanders talks about his record hillary responds she wins the ex- exchange i think i think bernie was going to say something about hunting in vermont but backed away from it um okay so now this is about guns we can just play this clip and mm-hmm. then we can kind of stop it as we go democrats are going after bernie sanders record here on guns which i think is fucking foolhardy because if you just because of the shootings now this is something that's probably going to disproportionately affect him mm-hmm. in a way that it wouldn't normally he's a progressive liberal and for the democratic media establishment to be going after him on this if this is going to be the thing that sinks him Fuck them then, because he's way more left and way more in line with everything that that media establishment would support, uh, way more so than they would with Hillary. But if they're going to let this be the thing that takes him down, fine, then, then fuck it. Be. But it's stupid. And his answer, I don't think, is atrocious. I think it's just the truth. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens here, and then we can uh, discuss it. 
We're going to start with the gun. The shooting in Oregon earlier this month. Once again, it brought the issue of guns into the national conversation. Over the last week, guns have been the most discussed political topic on Facebook by two to one. Yeah, and this week it'll be that's a lot. Yeah, and this week it'll be Lamar Odom. So don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. Senator Sanders. God, God rest you, Lamar. I hope you, I hope you pull out of there. I'm not, you know, you understand my point. It's like yeah, because we get where we're dumb nation that just gets distracted with shit. Last week it was guns. This week it's Lamar Odom, and then it'll be something else next week. Right. You voted against the Brady bill, mandated background checks and a waiting period. You also supported allowing riders to bring guns in check bags on Amtrak trains. For a decade, you said that holding gun manufacturers legally responsible for mass shootings is a bad idea. Now you say you're reconsidering that. Which is it? Shield the gun companies from lawsuits or not? Well, let's begin, Anderson, by understanding that Bernie Sanders has a D-minus voting record from the NRA. Let's also understand... That back in 1988, when I first ran for the United States Congress, way back then, I told the gun owners of the state of Vermont and I told the people of the state of Vermont, a state which has virtually no gun control, that I supported a ban on assault weapons. And over the years, I have strongly supported instant background checks, doing away with this terrible gun show loophole. And I think we've got to move aggressively at the federal level in dealing with the straw man purchases. Also, I believe, and I fought for to understand that there are thousands of people in this country today who are suicidal, who are homicidal, but can't get the health care that they need, the mental health care, because they don't have insurance or they're too poor. I believe that everybody in this country has a mental crisis, has got to get mental health counseling immediately. Do you want to shield gun companies from lawsuits or not? not. This was a... (laughs) I love He's like, fucking no, stupid. Of course not. Here, he explains it, and then I can get into Mm -hmm. it further if it doesn't make sense. A large and complicated bill. There were provisions in it that I think made sense. For example, do I think that a gun shop in the state of Vermont that sells legally a gun to somebody, and that somebody goes out and does something crazy, that that gun shop owner should be held responsible? I don't. On the other hand, where you... Which I think is reasonable. And the other part of the bill that he's talking about that, it, that it was complicated, mm-hmm. it's like you buy a gun legally from a gun store. Mm-hmm. Sometime later, I get the gun somehow, whether you sold it to me or whatever, I kill Evan. Should the gun store that sold you the gun be responsible for that? Yeah, they have no control of what happens to the gun. Right. And that's so, okay, so that's what he's talking about. And that's what people are, are getting mad about. That just makes sense. That, that makes sense. And in, in even what he's talking about, his example, where it's like you directly buy the gun legally and then kill somebody with it. Why should the gun store get in trouble for that? Yeah, they, they followed the rules and regulations. Right. That, that's like, oh, I, I, I bought a Toyota and then I killed somebody with it. I can sue to- that the family can sue Toyota over that. Mm-hmm. That that's the argument, and he's right about that. That's a nuanced argument, maybe, and they're going to hammer him for this. But it, I think it's nonsense, really. Have manufacturers and where you have gun shops knowingly giving guns to criminals or aiding and abetting that. Of course, we should take action. Secretary Clinton, is Bernie Sanders tough enough on guns? No, not at all. See, fuck you, Hillary. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. All. I think that we have to look at the fact that we lose 90 people a day from gun violence. This has gone on too long, and it's time the entire country stood up against the NRA. The majority of our country... That's fine. ...supports yeah, that good she, she nails this. and even the majority of gun owners do. Senator Sanders did vote five times against the Brady Bill. Since it was passed, more than two million prohibited purchases have been prevented. He also did vote, as he said, for this immunity provision. 
I voted against it. I was in the Senate at the same time. It wasn't that complicated to me. It was pretty straightforward to me. Good points there. Yes. She's, you know, it's bullshit what she's doing, but it's it's a good job. Mm -hmm. That he was going to give immunity to the only industry in America. Everybody else has to be accountable, but not the gun manufacturers. And we need... No, they don't. That's not true. Because if you buy a fucking Coca-Cola and you die of diabetes, you can't sue Mm Coca-Cola. I mean, you can try. You can't do it with the cigarette companies now either. That's not going to work. Like, I don't know. It just seems like, come on. She, she, whatever. She's got to do it. She's a politician mm-hmm. and she's doing it well. And that's why she's the front runner. To stand up and say enough of that. We're not going to let it continue. We're going to bring you all in on this. But I, Senator Sanders, you have to be able to respond. As a senator from a rural state, what I can tell Secretary Clinton, that all the shouting in the world is not going to do what I would hope all of us want. And that is keep guns out of the hands of people who should not have those guns and end this horrible violence that we are seeing. I believe that there is a consensus in this country, a consensus that said we need to strengthen and expand instant background checks, do away with this gun show loophole, that we have to address the issue of mental health, that we have to deal with the straw man purchasing issue, and that when we develop that consensus, we can finally, finally do something to address this crisis. Now, see, he, he mentions, I'm from a rural state. He's saying there's mm-hmm. hunting is what he alludes to. He gets back to it, but he should have been, I think, more forceful with that issue where it's mm-hmm. like, look, I'm from, from a state where people hunt and it's fine and they're not out there killing it. You know, he yeah. should have. Okay. O'Malley brought two Aurora shooting victims to the debate. He's very showy. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that. He also, by the way, when he was in charge, I forget what organization it was. He talks about how he stood up to the NRA and all the shit. He accepted a $40,000 donation from the NRA to whatever campaign okay. he was running. So he's a little bit of a, a bullshitter there. Uh, Sanders gets to jump in, does bring up rural versus urban states. O'Malley tries to tag him. Sanders hits O'Malley's lack of experience in Congress. Hillary looks good by not doing anything. That's yep. the next quote that I have to say. Uh, let me just get to it. Hold on one second. Senator Sanders, I want you to be able to respond. I think the governor gave a very good example about the weaknesses in that law, and I think we have to take another look at it. But here is the point, Governor. We can raise our voices, but I come from a rural state, and the views on gun control in rural states are different than in urban states, whether we like it or not. See, that's what we should have done the first time, but... Right. Of course, they're different and it makes sense that they'd be different. Our job is to bring people together around strong, common sense gun legislation. I think there is a vast majority in this country who want to do the right thing. And I intend to lead the country in bringing Senator. our people together Senator, on that issue. Me. Senator, it was Rally not about say. rural. Senator, it was not about rural. And exactly urban. About Have you rural. ever been to the Eastern Shore? <laughs> Have you ever been to Western Maryland? We were able to pass this and still respect the hunting traditions of people who live in our rural areas. And we did it by leading with principle, not by pandering to the NRA and backing down to the NRA. And I have an S. I don't think I am pandering, but you have not been in the United States Congress. And when you want to check it out, and if if you think that we can simply go forward, and pass something tomorrow without bringing people together, you are Let me bring mistaken. in somebody. <laughs> uh, all Good right. job, Bernie. So, Bernie, see, but that's what I like about it. He's like, don't stop being an asshole. Like, I've been mm-hmm. there. I know what I'm talking about. And O'Malley is, to me, and I, I don't, I'm not crazy about He's him. being that guy? Yeah, he's very, like, Hillary's obviously rehearsed 
but it's like a different she she plays it off better he's very stiff in the way mm-hmm. that he he brings up his points all right so then they move on to the next section it's russia syria they discuss that situation and it, it is really staggering the difference in in conversation here than when you listen to the republican debate where they're like we're just gonna go in there and fucking kick putin in the balls like okay that is insane hillary would like to see the u.s take more of a leadership position in syria to help quote end the bloody conflict there doesn't think it's acceptable for putin putin to be bombing for assad like we mentioned last week or whatever i went on that rant about russia's claiming that they're attacking isis they're not they're go they're attacking rebel groups that are attacking assad mm-hmm. who they want to keep in power all right 42 minutes uh whatever sanders strongly opposes getting the U.S. into another Iraq-like quagmire in Syria. He doesn't support American ground troops in Syria. Clinton says, quote, nobody does, but how would the U.S. take more of a leadership role and stop the conflict without causing more problems then? Just drop more bombs, supply more arms, train five more soldiers for $500 million? These are my comments. Okay. Uh, Bernie Sanders, here we go. And when we talk about Syria, you're talking about a quagmire in a quagmire. You're talking about groups of people trying to overthrow Assad, other groups of people fighting ISIS. You're talking about people who are fighting ISIS, using their guns to overthrow Assad and vice versa. I'm the former chairman, Anderson, of the Senate Veterans Committee. And in that capacity, I learned a very powerful lesson about the cost of war. And I will do everything that I can to make sure that the United States does not get involved in another quagmire like we did in Iraq, the worst foreign policy blunder in the history of this country. We should be putting together a coalition of Arab countries who should be leading the effort. We should be supportive. But I do not support American ground troops in Syria. All right. Strong answer. Mm -hmm. Great. Yes. I love when people reiterate the fact that iraq was a massive fucking blunder probably the biggest in the history of the country vietnam you know mm-hmm. uh keep saying that because that's a reality yeah stop letting it get away stop letting dick and liz cheney tell you otherwise that is a disaster and it's good that he brings it up and it's good that you learn from that and you look at syria and you go wow that could be a real fucking disaster too yeah it is already stay the fuck out of it lincoln chafee uh answers the question he says he was the only Republican to vote against going into Iraq. Good. Says Hillary should be disqualified for her yes vote, even though she said she made a mistake. All right. Hillary says she debated Obama over the issue, the Syria issue, a bunch of times. Oh, no, uh, over Iraq. And then he made her secretary of state. So obviously he valued her judgment. That was her response there. All right. Uh, let me get to this clip. Uno momento. There we go. Sanders on Syria-Iraq judgment calls. Uh what circumstances he's used force under as president also says he doesn't support quote unilateral u.s action must work with our allies that could be a questionable thing to say where he doesn't think the united states can just act on its own mm-hmm. it would have to get okay i probably agree with him but that might hurt him uh like and then i wrote that's not going to play well in the general election all right so let's listen to that clip senator sanders i want to bring you in here my question for you is as a congressman uh, you voted against the Iraq War. You voted against the Gulf War. You're just talking about Syria. But under what circumstances would a President Sanders actually use force? Let me just respond to something the secretary said. Uh, first of all, she is talking about, as I understand, that a no-fly zone in Syria, which I think is a very dangerous uh, situation, could lead to real problems. Second of all, I heard the same evidence 
from President Bush and Dick Cheney and Don Ronsfeld about why we should overthrow Saddam Hussein and get involved in the war. I would urge people to go to BernieSanders.com, hear what I said in 2002. And I say without any joy in my heart that much of what I thought would happen about the destabilization, in fact, did happen. So I think, I think the president is trying very hard to thread a tough needle here. And that is to support those people who are against Assad, against ISIS, without getting us on the ground there. And that's the direction I believe we should have to go. Senator Sanders, you didn't answer the question. Under what, under what circumstances would you actually use force? Well, obviously, I voted when President Clinton said, let's stop ethnic cleansing in Kosovo. I voted for that. I voted to make sure that Osama bin Laden was held accountable in Afghanistan when our country is threatened or when our allies are threatened. I believe that we need coalitions to come together to address the major crises of this country. I do not support the United States getting involved in unilateral action. Let's work with our allies. I'm going to bring... All right, so there you go. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit of Bernie Sanders' uh, doctrine, if you want to call it, like his foreign policy idea. And I think he's right about that. It, it's better to not – whatever. We, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about it a million times. Okay. Webb <laughs> gets pissed off. No one is asking him anything. It's because he literally can't win, and you look like an asshole doing this. I'm going to play that clip, though, so just so we, uh, you see what I'm talking it's about. It's always quick for the, mili- for the military invention. Senator uh, Secretary Clinton, you can respond. Well, first Anderson, of all, can I get I'm, in this discussion at some we'll, point? We'll, we'll, yes, you'll be coming in next, but she was <laughs> directly quoted. Thank you. So. I've been standing over here for about 10 minutes trying. Okay. It's just it's gone back Secretary. and forth over there. <laughs> you just look like a fucking dummy doing that. Yeah. I mean, you're not doing yourself any favors. All right. Hillary responds to a lot of stuff about Syria and no-fly zones. I wrote, looks presidential. Looks like she's above the fray. Nails O'Malley for supporting her in 2008. Kind of meanders at the end, but she makes her point, and I think uh, it's a good moment for her. Mm-hmm. Well, I am in the middle here, and uh, lots, lots of things coming from all directions. You, got the um, you know, I have, I, I have to say I was very pleased when uh, Governor O'Malley endorsed me for president in 2008, and I enjoyed his strong support. Lands. That lands. Yeah, she she yeah. landed. She did a good job. Uh, in that campaign. And I consider him uh, obviously a friend. Let me say, because there's a lot of, of loose talk going on here. We are already flying in Syria, just as we are flying in Iraq. Right. The president has made a very tough decision. What I believe and why I have advocated that the no-fly zone, which of course would be in a coalition, be put on the table is because I'm trying to figure out what leverage we have to get Russia to the table. You know, diplomacy is not about getting to the perfect solution. It's about how you balance the risk. Thank you. And I think we have an opportunity here. And I know that inside the administration, this is being hotly debated. Uh, to See, little stuff like that where she throws in is smart. It makes her seem mm-hmm. like she's, uh, you know, has more knowledge about the situation than these guys do because she was there. I mean, yeah. she was in the administration. Little stuff like that. Just like little experience stuff. That helps her. To get that leverage to try to get the yeah. Russians Thank to you. have to deal with everybody in the region to begin to move toward a political diplomatic solution in Syria. All right. See, so I said she meandered a little bit at the end, but she she made her point there. Uh, 
now in my notes, I wrote, also, it's amazing how this debate involves real issues in terms of strategies and policies, whereas the GOP ones deal mostly in beliefs, abortion, terrorism, faith. It's a lot of, I think America can be great without much specifics, except about shutting down the government over, over Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what they talked about a lot. Uh, then I wrote, Webb jumps in and goes off the rails about China, complains about not getting enough time. Again, he looks like an asshole. Webb is asked whether Sanders can be a commander-in-chief after applying for conscientious objector status in Vietnam. He says he respects Sanders' choice because he went through the proper channels, reiterates his own service record, and believes he's the strongest candidate to act as commander-in-chief. All right. Uh, Here we go. Sanders is asked to explain why he could be commander-in-chief, even though he wasn't in the military, and I think he has a a good answer here. Mm -hmm. Oh, hold on. Senator Sanders, tell an American soldier who's watching right now tonight in Afghanistan why you can be commander in chief. Before he even gets into this, the other idea about a civilian control of the military is mm-hmm. for that very reason. If you have the military in control of the military, what is their main – what are they going to want to do? They're going to want to go out and start a war and shoot guns and do the shit that the military does. That's why you have a civilian control of the military. That's why the president controls the military. So he can have more of a broad view there mm-hmm. and he's not just going to be prone to war, although – America tends to be prone to war. Given that you applied well, for conscientious objector status. Let me applaud my good friend Jim Webb for his service to this country in so many ways. Um, Jim and I. The fucking tenor of this thing is so much like more civil, mm-hmm. respectful, professional. Like these are people that you would actually not be terrified to be running the country. I mean, they're not scary the way that Ted, when Ted Cruz gets off that, like he scares the shit out of me. Like these mm-hmm. people seem like they could be in control of the country and it wouldn't be a yes. absolute fucking nightmare disaster. Under Jim's leadership, as he indicated, passed the most significant veterans education bill uh, in recent history. Uh, we followed suit with few years later, passing under my leadership of the most significant veterans health care legislation in the modern history of this country. I, when I was a young man, I'm not a young man today. When I was a young man, I strongly opposed. That might have been a mistake to say that. I know he's a joke, but like, Mm -hmm. that's going to come up. Like he's 72 years old. I don't care, but I'm just saying that could have been a mistake. Yes. The war in Vietnam. Not the brave men like Jim who fought in that war, but the policy which got us involved in that war. That was my view then. I am not a pacifist, Anderson. I supported the war in Afghanistan. Uh, I supported President Clinton's effort to deal with ethnic cleansing in Kosovo. I support airstrikes in Syria and what the president is trying to do. Yes, I happen to believe from the bottom of my heart that war should be the last resort, that we have got to exercise our diplomacy. But yes, I am prepared to take this country into war if that is necessary. Very very quickly, 30 seconds. All right. Uh, Then I wrote, God, I really like Lincoln Chafee. He seems like a genuine guy. He so respectfully disagrees with Webb, saying the Iran deal led Russia into Syria. Webb was saying, like, the Iran deal was... um, I don't even remember what the back and forth mm-hmm. was, but what, Lincoln Javid just looks like a nice guy. All right. Then uh, they go into the section about greatest national security threats. These are the answers. Now, remember when they asked the, the Republican shit like this and they were like, abortion is like the biggest problem. Like, yeah. you know, it's ISIS and abortion. Those are their answers. Chavy says Middle East unrest. Correct. Mm-hmm. O'Malley doesn't pick one answer because he's a butthole. He says nuclear Iran, ISIL, climate change. Okay, cover all your bases. Clinton says the spread of nuclear material to terrorists. 
Okay, that's mm-hmm. reasonable. You wouldn't want them buying it. Sanders says climate change. Now, people on the right would hammer him for that. That is, in the strictest terms, that is the greatest national security threat because if none of us are here... We can't enjoy the planet. Yeah, it's going to be a big problem. Webb says relationships with China, cyber warfare, resolving Middle East problems. All right, pretty legitimate answers. Now, this is what you were talking about before. This is the section about Hillary Clinton's emails, which... What? Does this finally put it down? No. It does not. Uh, This helps a little bit, I think, and then it also... You know, a lot of Republicans have been coming out. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, the guy that was going to be the, the Speaker of the House mm-hmm. of the Republicans, he said, like, this is just a charade to, like, hurt Hillary Clinton's numbers, the the Benghazi mm-hmm. and all this, the emails and shit. That's what it's about. So maybe, but probably not. Okay. It's also a questionable choice, which Sanders brings up, to dismiss this as kind of nonsense because they can't go after her now. Not that they would, but mm-hmm. okay. Uh, all right. What's the deal with the emails that they asked Hillary Clinton? And this is what she has to say about it. We're going to be testifying before Congress next week about your emails. For the last eight months, you haven't been able to put this issue behind you. You dismissed it. You joked about it. You called it a mistake. What does that say about your ability to handle far more challenging crises as president? Well, I've taken responsibility for it. I did say it was a mistake. Uh, what I did was allowed by the State Department, but it wasn't the best choice. And I have been as transparent as I know to be, turning over 55,000 pages of my emails, asking that they be made public. And you're right, I am going to be testifying. I've been asking to testify for some time and to do it in public, which was not originally uh, agreed to. But let's just take a minute here and point out that this committee is basically an arm of the Republican National Committee. It is a partisan vehicle, as admitted by the House Republican Majority Leader, Mr. McCarthy, uh, to drive down my poll numbers. Big surprise. And that's what they have attempted to do. I am still standing. I am happy to be part of this debate. And I intend to keep talking about the issues that matter to the American people. You know, I I believe strongly that we need to be talking about what people talk to me about. Like, how are we going to make college affordable? How are we going to pay down student debt? How are we going to get health care for everybody? Secretary Clinton, Clinton, with all due respect, it's a little hard. I mean, isn't it a little bit hard for you to call this just a partisan issue? There's an FBI investigation. And President Obama himself just two days ago said this is a legitimate issue. Well, he didn't really. They asked him about it. And he was like, yeah, maybe she could have done something differently. He's like, but. Mm-hmm. It didn't endanger anybody. That's what he said. So don't 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 act like Obama was out there hammering her. He wasn't. Like, it's fucking. Anderson's got to make it look interesting. Well, man. Anderson's got to make it look interesting because Anderson's got to fill you know uh, the twenty four hour news cycle on CNN, and he's going to have to talk about emails a little bit. I never said it wasn't legitimate. I said that I have answered all the questions, and I will certainly be doing so again before this committee. But I think it would be really unfair not to look at the entire picture. This committee has spent four and a half million dollars of taxpayer money, and they said that they were trying to figure out what we could do better to protect our diplomats so that something like Benghazi wouldn't happen again. There were already seven committee reports about what to do. So I think it's pretty clear what their obvious uh, goal is, but I'll be there. I'll answer their questions. But tonight, I want to talk not about my emails, but about what the American people want from the next president of the United States. All right. So she does an okay job there. Bernie 
steps in, mm-hmm. he kicks a little ass, I think. He defends Hillary Clinton. Uh, and I, I wrote my note to myself, Democrats get that they're running against Republicans. Yes. Republicans are running against Trump. And that's the huge problem. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Chafee says the email thing is a big deal ethically. Hillary nails her response to that. Uh, we'll hear it. Uh, Anderson Cooper continues talking about the emails like a goofball. Everything will come out in the fullness of time. He should have dropped it here. Most people in the country don't know shit about this scandal. You know, they just kind of know, oh, Hillary maybe is on trial. They, they don't know what the fuck's going on because it's not a real thing. Now, let's watch this clip and then we can move on to the next, uh, the next issue. Let me say... Let me say something that may not be great politics, but I think the secretary is right. And that is that the American people are sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails. Thank you. Me too. Me too. The middle class Anderson. And let me say something about the media as well. Now, this got cut out a lot of times. They were playing it on TV. I read that they cut uh, out they this cut part out. where he criticized the media. Yeah, big surprise. The media cut out the criticism of the media. <laughs> I go around the country, talk to a whole lot of people. Middle class of this country is collapsing. We have 27 million people living in poverty. We have massive wealth and income inequality. Our trade policies have cost us millions of decent jobs. The American people want to know whether we're going to have a democracy or an oligarchy as a result of Citizens United. Enough of the emails. Let's talk about the real issues facing America. Home run. Yes, home run. See, that's a nice moment. I think it's a genuine moment. They shake hands. It's nice. She mm-hmm. says, thank you, Bernie. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Let's listen to the crowd and enjoy that. Okay, so now the, that's that's the point where you... St- okay, he, he ended that conversation. Dumb... Let it go. Anderson Cooper, he continues. Standing ovation. It's very popular in this crowd. Thank you. Hold on. It's very, and then, it, it, I know that, that and, plays well in this room, but I got to be honest, Governor Chafee, for the record, on the campaign trail, you've said a different thing. You said this is a huge issue. See, just Chafee doesn't matter. No. Nah. Let it go at that point. Yeah, he put doesn't it down. let it go. Standing here in front of Secretary Clinton, are you willing to say that to her face? Absolutely. Uh, we have to repair American credibility after we told the world that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, which he didn't. So there's an issue of American credibility out there. So anytime someone's running to be our leader and a world leader, which the American president is, credibility is an issue out there with the world. And we have repair work to be done. I think we need someone that has the best in ethical standards as our next president. That's how I feel. Secretary Clinton, do you want to respond? No. Governor, Governor. Perfect. Perfect. And she gets, yeah, listen to the crowd. Perfect. Yeah, like, shut up. We just, we just ended that conversation. Chafee should have been like, look, we can talk about it another yeah. time. All right. Now they move on to race issues. They talk about Black Lives Matter. They ask, do Black Lives Matter or do all lives matter? Now, you understand the distinction between these two things, right? Why, why? On the right, the reaction is, all lives matter. How dare you say black? The reason why black lives matter exists is just to reaffirm the idea that even though black people are getting murdered by the cops all the time, uh, our lives matter. Yes. Everybody else's lives matter. But like we're saying that black lives matter. They're calling attention yeah, to it. Because it seems like they don't. That's the fucking difference. And you're an asshole if you don't understand that. Uh, this is Bernie Sanders' response to this. Now, again, this is something that I think he could get hammered on, even though, uh, you know, it's a legitimate answer. Senator Sanders. Black Lives Matter. 
And the reason, the reason those words matter is the African-American community knows that on any given day, some innocent person like Sandra Bland can get into a car, and then three days later, she's going to end up dead in jail. Or their kids are going to get shot. We need to combat institutional racism from top to bottom, and we need major, major reforms in a broken criminal justice system in which we have more people in jail than China. And I intend to tackle that issue to make sure that our people have education and jobs rather than jail cells. I disagree with nothing the guy says. Mm -hmm. He's right. Yes, of course. That's a great answer. He's going to get crushed by the Republicans by that by saying Black Lives Matter because they seem to not get it. This is what I wrote. Sanders says Black Lives Matter. He's going to get crushed by the Republicans on on this, but fuck him because he gets what's going on and he gets the distinction between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Of course, All Lives Matter. This is a movement trying to establish that black people seemingly don't matter compared to everyone else. That's all. It's not a complicated idea and it actually shouldn't be controversial. But of course, you have uh, Whitey on the Republican side being like, well, my life matters. We get that your life matters. You're in charge. Like, that's why, you know, you're the minority. You're the majority. That's that's why we know your life matters. So how do you think the Republicans would hammer him on that? They would say he doesn't think that everybody else's lives uh, matter. Oh, just do play it that way. <laughs> yeah, that they're just going to pretend they don't understand what's going on. Okay. And that works really well because their base actually doesn't understand what's going on. O'Malley expresses similar sentiments. Hillary says that mass incarceration might be the only bipartisan issue in Congress this year, which is true. Cruz is even for, you know, reducing sentences and things mm-hmm. like that. Goes on to say early childhood education and schools and good housing and a new 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 deal for communities of color are necessary. All right. So totally different answers than what you get on the GOP side, mm-hmm. which yeah, no, no black people are going to vote for them. It's not because Obama's black that they voted. That is part of it. But it's like the Republican Party doesn't support anything that they're for. So that's why they don't get those votes. Income inequality. Sanders lays out clearly what he believes needs to be done about income inequality. He doesn't shy away from the questions. People will either love him or not, but they'll know who he is. That's the knock on Hillary. This is like legitimately who he is. Mm-hmm. Hillary says there is no comparison between Dems and Republicans on economic policy, mentions her five-point plan. O'Malley praises Sanders' calls to reinstate Glass-Steagall and says that's what needs to be done, separate speculative banking from community banking. All right, so this is this segment here. Say, I have done the hard job. I have taken the risks. I am your person. Senator Sanders, let's talk about income inequality. Wages and incomes are flat. You've argued that the gap between rich and poor is wider than at any time since the 1920s. We've had a Democratic president for seven years. What are you going to be able to do that President Obama didn't? Well, first of all, let's remember where we were when Bush left office. We were losing 800,000 jobs a month. And I know my Republican friends seem to have some amnesia on this issue. (laughs) But the world's financial crisis was on the world's financial markets system was on the verge of collapse. That's where we were. Are we better off today than we were then? Absolutely. But the truth is that for the last 40 years, the great middle class of this country has been disappearing. And in my view, what we need to do is create millions of jobs by rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure, raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, pay equity for women workers, end our disastrous trade policies 
which have cost us millions of jobs and make every public college and university in this country tuition free. Secretary. Great. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. If that resonates, he's in great shape. If that doesn't resonate, she has it locked up. There's no doubt about it. How long before you think it resonates? That, that uh, you can tell that this yeah, the next is poll winning. numbers that come out, I think you'll you'll see, and you'll also see a difference in fundraising numbers. That's the other way to okay. tell. If people are like, "Done, I'm in." All right, Hillary explains why not breaking up the banks is better than breaking them up. Sanders explains why his plan is better. I think Bernie Sanders hurts Hillary here. Hillary is going to get a lot of money from Wall Street, which is why she's not for breaking up the banks. All right, so this is this uh, this segment where I think Bernie tags her. We need to reinstate Glass-Steagall, and that's a huge difference on this stage I, I, among us as candidates. I, I, I did, just, did you ever see the SNL uh, sketch where Will Forte plays a guy named like Bill Calhoun or something? He's like, my name is Bill Calhoun, and I'm running for the president. <laughs> Do you remember that sketch? I don't actually. All right, well, you can look it up because that's what O'Malley reminds me of, the way he talks and his cadence. Okay. He's Bill Calhoun. All right, this is the point uh, where I think Bernie hits uh, Hillary about about breaking up the banks. Viewers at home who may not be reading up on this, Glass-Steagall's Depression-era banking laws repealed in 1999 and prevented commercial banks from engaging in investment banking and insurance activities. Secretary Clinton, I mean, he raises a fundamental difference on this stage. Senator Sanders wants to break up the big Wall Street banks. You don't. You- well, which great, by the way. Yeah, break them mm-hmm. up. If they're too big to fail, they're too big to fail. Like, yes. you have to break them up. Definitely. You say charge the banks more, continue to monitor them. Why is your plan better? Well, my plan is more comprehensive, and frankly, it's tougher because, of course, we have to deal with the problem that the banks are still too big to fail. We can never let the American taxpayer and middle-class families ever have to bail out the kind of speculative behavior that we saw. But we also have to worry about some of the other players, AIG, a big insurance company, Lehman Brothers, an investment bank. There's this whole area called shadow banking. That's where the experts tell me the next potential problem could come from. So I'm with both Senator Sanders and Governor O'Malley in putting a lot of attention onto the banks. And the plan that I have put forward would actually empower regulators to break up big banks if we thought they posed a risk. But I want to make sure we're going to cover everybody, not what caused the problem last time, but what could cause it next time. Senator Sanders, Secretary Clinton just said that her policy is tougher than yours. Well, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> see like I, th- th- he, how, uh, that's likable it's a likable yes. way to go about it he, he's not like she's a bitch he's like no uh, not okay. true <laughs> Why? let us be clear that the greed and recklessness and illegal behavior of Wall Street where fraud is a business model helped to destroy this economy and the lives of millions of people check the record it- meanwhile Anderson's like plays well in the room this is nevada it's not like they're in you know that's california true. nevada's not necessarily that that goes either way nevada so it's good that it's playing in the room because these are people that you're gonna have to get to vote for you but don't necessarily vote for you i yeah but it, it, i believe it would play to the room anyway because it's a democratic debate so most people that are going to be in the room are going to be democrats sure uh, well right of course i mean of course people can cheer and stuff like that but i'm just saying this is not ne- nevada is not necessarily a liberal bastion mm-hmm. the way that a california would be in the 1990s and all due respect in the 1990s when i had the republican leadership and wall street spending billions of dollars in lobbying when the clinton administration when Alan Greenspan said, what a great idea it would be to allow these huge banks to merge, Bernie Sanders 
fought them and helped lead the opposition to deregulation. Today, it is my view that when you have the three largest banks in America are much bigger than they were when we bailed them out for being too big to fail, we have got to break them up. Secretary Clinton, you have to be able to respond. He brought you up. You know, I, I respect the passion and intensity. I represented Wall Street as a senator from New York, and I went to Wall Street in December of 2007, before the big crash that we had. And I basically said, cut it out. Quit foreclosing on homes. See that? Yeah, I know. You, you did. Did you go to Wall Street and say, cut it out? Oh, and that Do you work? have a tape of that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's a tape. Well, she, I mean, you know, she's, I think, implying that she had meetings with them or something. Yes. And I, I don't think she was that vocally against it. Maybe we can take a look at it. But it's like, did you say cut it out? And they, they didn't stop? That's weird. No. Quit engaging in these kinds of speculative behaviors. Yeah, make laws. Regulate them. Mm-hmm. That's how you stop them from doing that. You don't just go like, come on, cut it out. Hey. I took on the Bush administration for the same thing. So I have thought deeply and long about what we're going to do to do exactly what I think both the senator and the governor want, which is to rein in and stop this risk. And my plan would have the potential of actually sending the executives to jail. Nobody went to jail. Yeah, well, yeah, people should go to jail for sure, of course. But I don't think Hillary's going to be putting people in jail. would give regulators the authority to go after the big banks. But I'm telling you, you, I will say it tonight. If only you look at the big banks, you may be missing the forest for the trees. We've got to look at all the other financial institutions. Bernie, say you do not. I will take a second. Thank you. There he goes again. I know, Webb. What a pain in the ass. It's like, do you not understand that this is like a crucial part of the debate and you want to get involved? You're not going to be president, Jim Webb. You should have ran as a Republican if you wanted to get stage time. They'll let anybody and their mother get up there. I'll tell him. In my view, Secretary Clinton, you do not. Congress does not regulate Wall Street. Wall Street regulates Congress. And we have got to break off these banks. Going to them so, and saying, please do the right thing. No, that's is not what kind of that, naive. I, Good answer. Yes. See, now, and this is where she's on the defensive. I'm, 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 you know, it's because she's getting her money from Wall Street player. He's mm-hmm. not. That's the difference. And that's why he can credibly talk tough on it. And this is where she looks a little she's stuttering. Yeah, because she relies on that money to win and she's going to rely on it. Not that she's not getting way more donations from individuals. Republicans get most of their donations from super PACs and big, you know, mm-hmm. corporation stuff. But she's going to get a large chunk of it from from that. I think Dodd-Frank was a very good start, and I think that we have to implement it. We have to prevent the Republicans from ripping it apart. We have to save the Consumer Financial Protection Board, which is finally beginning to act to protect consumers. We have work to do. You'll get no argument from me. But I know if we don't come in with a very tough and comprehensive approach like the plan I'm recommending, we're going to be behind instead of ahead of what the next crisis could be. All right. We're almost done. We will have a couple more clips. I have like stuff that I wrote down, okay. but, I, but I think that this is important stuff to talk about. Bernie talks about his Wall Street bailout vote. If none of this is resonating and his numbers don't go up, Hillary has this on lock. This will be very telling. Chafee says he didn't know what he was voting for when he just arrived at Congress during the Glass-Steagall vote, and he looked terrible. Yeah, it played, play it, played it, very well. It played poorly. Poorly, I mean. Yeah, it was absolutely terrible. Um, all right, let me just get to this clip. Sorry. Bernie Sanders. Here we go. Senator Sanders. Senator Sanders, in 2008, congressional leaders were told without the 2008 bailout, the U.S. was possibly days away from a complete meltdown. Despite that, 
You still voted against it. As president, would you stand by your principles if it risked the country's financial stability? Well, I remember that meeting very well. I remember it like it was yesterday. Hank Paulson, Bernanke came in and they said, guys, the economy is going to collapse because Wall Street is going under. It's going to take the economy with them. And you know what I said to Hank Paulson? I said, Hank, your guys, you come from Goldman Sachs. Your millionaire and billionaire friends caused this problem. How about your millionaire and billionaire fans paying for the bailout? Not working families in this country. So to answer your question, no, I would not have let the economy collapse. But it was wrong to ask the middle class to bail out Wall Street. And by the way, I want Wall Street now to help kids in this country go to college, public colleges and universities free with a Wall Street speculation. We're going to talk about that. The Wall Street speculation tax is a good idea. It's a 50 cent tax for every $100 worth of trades that they make on Wall Street, like mm-hmm. in speculative deals. Fine. That's how that's how he'd pay for it. He has an actual plan on how to pay for it. And then different other types of trades would have lesser dollar amounts attached to it and all this okay. stuff. But that's how he would do it. And that's what he's talking about when he says it. All right. College affordability. Sanders versus Clinton on free public college this is where they get into a little bit of an argument. It's a little bit of a longer clip, but it illustrates specifics uh specific very abstract i don't know what the fuck i wrote here but okay Okay. this is an argument about them uh where they have about college affordability so let's just get into that then we only have a couple more clips that'll generate 42 billion dollars then we can help uh the middle class and hard-earning american hard-working americans thank you cnn visited college campuses along with facebook and not surprisingly college affordability was among the most pressing issues senator sanders you've mentioned a couple of times you do have a plan to make public colleges free for everyone. Secretary Clinton has criticized that in saying she's not in favor of making a college free for Donald Trump's kids. Do you think taxpayers should pick up the tab for wealthy children? Well, let me tell you, Donald Trump and his billionaire friends on the my policies are going to pay a hell of a lot more in taxes today. Taxes in the future that they're paying today. But in terms of education, this is what I think. This is the year 2015. A college degree today, Dana, is the equivalent of what a high school degree was 50 years ago. And what we said 50 years ago and 100 years ago is that every kid in this country should be able to get a high school education regardless of the income of their family. I think we have to say that is true for everybody going to college. I think we don't need a complicated system which the secretary is talking about, your income goes up, your income is down, if you're poor, you have to work, and so forth and so on. I pay for my program, by the way, through a tax on Wall Street speculation, which will not only make public colleges and universities tuition-free, it will substantially lower interest rates on college debt, a major crisis in this country. And, and Secretary, secretary Clinton, it's not just college tuition. Senator Sanders is talking about expanding Social Security and giving all Americans Medicare. What's wrong with that? Well, let me address uh, college affordability because I have a a plan that I think will really um, zero in on what the problems are. First, all the 40 million Americans who currently have student debt will be able to refinance their debt to a low interest rate. That That sounds like a very political plan you know where it's mm-hmm. like you're not really fixing the problem you're just saying like i you can say oh i helped them refinance their debt to a very lower amount but that but if, if the average amount of debt for a college student is thirty thousand dollars okay so now what they only pay twenty two thousand. it's like yeah you're still buried under the debt thirty thousand is still a lot more than no debt you know if college was free so 
saved thousands of dollars for people who are now struggling under this cumbersome, burdensome uh, college debt. As a young student in Nevada said to me, the hardest thing about going to college should not be paying for it. So then we have to make it more affordable. How do we make it more affordable? My plan would enable anyone to go to a public college or university tuition free. You would not have to borrow money for tuition. But I do believe, and maybe it's because I worked when I went through college, I worked when I went through law school, I think it's important for everybody to have some part of getting this accomplished. That's why I call it a compact. Secretary so, yes, Clinton. I would like students to work 10 hours a week. Can you answer in the order to... All right, whatever. She, okay, so she drones on there. Mm-hmm. This is an immig- immigration. I don't have any clips on it. I just wrote down some of the stuff that they had to say. O'Malley and Webb say they're four undocumented workers getting Obamacare. Hillary says she'd be okay with them buying into the exchanges, but anything further would have to be taken care of in comprehensive immig- immigration reform. Fine. Hillary draws a difference between Democrats and, and uh, Republicans' comments about immigration, praises the dreamers who are children of undocumented workers, which is something you're never going to hear really in a Republican debate. O'Malley refers to Trump as, quote, a carnival barker and a xenophobe. O'Malley could well end up as Hillary's running mate. That's, that's my note to myself. Mm-hmm. Now we're down the stretch here. We only got a couple more clips to go. Hillary on her Patriot Act vote. This is a prime example of Hillary being on the right side of an issue now, but it's pretty obvious she made a mistake here. She will make more mistakes like this because she's not as principled on a bunch of issues as she'd like people to believe. I think she has good intentions generally and is better than any of the Republicans, but she's not the progressive she's running as. That's my little comment on this section. Let's get to that clip. Here we go. I don't. I think um, that uh, it was necessary to make sure that we were able. After they asked her, does she regret the vote on the Patriot Act? Mm-hmm. 9-11 to put in place the security that we needed. And it is true that it did require that there be a process. What happened, however, is that the Bush administration began to chip away at that process. And I began to speak out about their use of warrantless uh, Uh, surveillance and the other behavior that they engage in. We always have to keep the balance of civil liberties, privacy and security. It's not easy in a democracy, but we have to keep it in mind. All right. So she said that's the thing. She is like, yeah, yeah, I voted for it. But then I saw that it was a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, where's the foresight of seeing that it was going to be a problem before it got to that point? She doesn't do Mm -hmm. that a lot. Uh, Bernie Sanders discusses his vote against the Patriot Act. He looks good here, as he should, because he's actually progressive and actually principled. He might make a mistake, as anyone can, but he won't make it because he is told it's the politically expedient thing to do. If he makes a mistake, it's because he just didn't understand the situation, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. She makes mistakes. Whatever. Okay, here we go. Senator, Senator Sanders, you're the only one on this stage who voted against the Patriot Act. Was it 99 And the reauthorization but here's votes. The point. Let me ask you, if elected, would you shut down the NSA surveillance program? So, I'm sorry? Would you shut down the NSA surveillance Absolutely, program? Absolutely, of course. You would? Well, point sh- blank. Well, I would shut down. Make, I'd shut down what exists right now is that virtually every telephone call in this country ends up in a file at the NSA. Snowden, Snowden yeah. doctrine, doctrine. Thank you, Edward Snowden, for your uh, contributions to society. That is unacceptable to me. But no. it's not just government surveillance. I think the government is involved in our emails, is involved in our websites. Corporate America is doing it as well. If we are a free country, we have the right to be free. Yes, we have to defend ourselves against terrorism, but there are ways to do that without impinging 
on our constitutional rights and our privacy Anderson. rights. Per- perfect answer. Yes. Perfect answer. Now, I mentioned Snowden. Candidates are asked about Snowden. Clinton uses the classic fallen into the wrong hands tactic here, which is ugly to me. She says he shouldn't be brought home without, quote, facing the music. Uh, I hate these answers from Democrats. Sanders essentially gives him credit, but still maintains he should be punished for breaking the law. Now, I, I just want to play this part because we always talk about uh, Snowden and, and let's hear what they have to say. Because these are the old, this, this side is the only side that might actually help the guy, but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they're going to. The NSA. Governor Governor Chafee, Edward Snowden, is he a traitor or a hero? No, I would bring him home. The courts have ruled that what he did. See, this is guy like Chafee's answer. He's he supports Snowden. He thinks Mm -hmm. he shouldn't be in in trouble. It was what he did was say the American home. No jail. The American government was acting illegally. That's what the federal courts have said. What Snowden did showed that the American government was acting illegally per the Fourth Amendment. So I would bring him home. Traitor. Yes. He broke the laws of the United States. He could have been a whistleblower. He could have gotten all of the protections of being a whistleblower. He could have raised all the issues that he has raised. What? See, I don't this, think so. see, this is where she pisses me off. It's like, he is a whistleblower. What, what other way would you like to do? They, they always say, oh, we should go through Congress with it. Yeah, and then what if Congress decides not to do anything about it? Now, it's, now nothing happens because mm-hmm. Congress is the one authorizing the fucking spying that he's blowing the whistle on. So well, what did she want it to do? Then she also brings this up, and this, this pisses me off, too. And I think there would have been a positive response uh, to that. There's been a positive response. Yes. Should he do in jail addition, time? In addition, he stole very important information that has unfortunately uh, fallen into a lot of the wrong hands. Governor so- Mel- now, you just throw that out there. What hands have they fallen into? That's like that report. We watched that interview where they talk about Snowden. Oh, the Russians and the Chinese have the information. We have no proof of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing has happened. Nobody's been killed. Okay. So what is she talking about there? That's a fucking disingenuous bullshit answer. Yes. And she should have been called out on that answer. Why would Anderson Cooper, he's going to hammer about the email. Oh, with due respect, Senator Clay. Okay. He's not going to ask her. Why wouldn't he say, well, actually what, what hands have they fallen into and what has happened because of these documents? They're not going to do that. I don't think he should be brought home without facing the music. Governor O'Malley, Snowden. Anderson, Snowden put a lot of Americans' lives at risk. uh, In no way did he do that. First of all, Snowden didn't even just, we always rehash this, but let's keep putting it mm-hmm. out there. He didn't put the documents out willy-nilly. He gave them to journalists and said, you vet them. I'm not a journalist. Yes. Snowden broke the law. Whistleblowers do not run to Russia and try to get protection from Putin. Fuck you. He didn't, like, you know, it's, that's annoying. That's why O'Malley is just an irritating. He's just going to say whatever the fucking trope is out there that he mm-hmm. thinks sounds bad. Like, he didn't go to Russia. He wanted to go to South America. He got stuck in transit, and then Russia offered him asylum. What is he going to do? Be like, no, thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm, put me in jail? If he really believes that, he should be back here. Senator Sanders? Edward I, Snowden. I, I think um, Snowden played a very important role in educating the American people Uh, to the degree in which our civil liberties and our constitutional rights are being undermined. Is he a hero? He did did break the law, and I think there should be a penalty to that. But I think what he did in educating us should be taken into consideration before he is Senator Webb, Edward Snowden. All right, we don't need to... Okay, so, all right, Sanders has the best answer there, probably, because... Yeah, he did technically break the law, but you got to assume that Sanders, he, he's giving him the credit that he deserves mm-hmm. there. So I appreciate that. All right. This is how we're, we're wrapping up pretty soon. Sanders on how he'd be different than Obama, which I really like this answer. And I think it's important that this is, uh, this is out there. Hold on. God damn it. 
There we go. I have a lot of respect for President Obama. I have worked with him time and time again on many, many issues. But here's where I do disagree. I believe that the power of corporate America, the power of Wall Street, the power of the drug companies, the power of the corporate media is so great that the only way we really transform America and do the things that the middle class and working class desperately need is through a political revolution when millions of people begin to come together and stand up and say our government is going to work for all of us, not just a handful of billionaires. Senator Webb. <laughs> okay, great answer. Yes. Now they go back to Sanders and they're like, what did you mean by revolution? <laughs> through them in the traditional way that our Constitution Senator Sanders, done. he cited you. You don't hear a lot of Democratic presidential candidates talking about revolution. What do you mean? What I mean is that we need to have one of the larger voter turnouts in the world, not one of the lowest. We need to raise public consciousness. We need the American people to know what's going on in Washington in a way that today they do not know. And when people come together in a way that does not exist now and are prepared to take on the big money interest, then we can bring the kind of change we need. Anderson, I... Perfect. I mean, and that's what Lessig was talking about, but... Sanders has been talking about it too. It's sort of mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a moot point. All right. And then I wrote O'Malley played catch up almost all night because then he's trying to jump in here. But it's like they've already said what you're about to say and they're, they're saying it more forcefully than you. They go on to climate change. Webb is pro coal, pro offshore drilling, pro Keystone XL. He's a strong proponent of nuclear. This guy is a conservative. I don't understand why he's running as a Democrat. All right. Uh, Sanders on climate change. And the reason why I'm playing Sanders clips is because. This is the this is the only time like if he's not going to catch traction it's now, now it's not going to happen right climate change Senator Sanders are you tougher on on climate change than Secretary Clinton Well I will tell you this uh, I believe and Pope Francis made this point this is a moral issue uh, the scientists are telling us that we need to move extremely boldly I am proud that along with Senator Bo- Barbara Boxer a few years ago we introduced the first piece of climate change legislation, which called for a tax on carbon. And let me also tell you that nothing is going to happen unless we are prepared to deal with campaign finance reform, because the fossil fuel industry is funding the Republican Party, which denies the reality of climate change and certainly is not prepared to go forward aggressively. This is a moral issue. We have got to be extremely aggressive in working with China, India, Russia, the planet, the future of the planet is at stake. I mean, pitch. His answers mm-hmm. are right. They're, they're, that is what that is the reality of what's happening. Clinton talks about being with Obama in Copenhagen during like climate uh, summits, hunting down the Chinese and Indians to get them to agree to something. Uh, it is refreshing to hear people have a plan on this issue, which will most certainly destroy all of us if we don't do something about it. Uh, Sanders and Clinton agree that the U.S. is the only major country that doesn't let American moms stay home with their baby when they have one. Sanders calls it a national embarrassment. O'Malley agrees. They move on to recreational marijuana. There's three clips left. So if you're hanging out with us, I really appreciate it. I think we do a good wrap-up of this stuff, and it's important to talk about it. Recreational marijuana. Sanders would vote yes for legal weed in Nevada. Let me get to that clip. Hold on. Damn it. Damn it, Joe. Especially to, so that women aren't penalized and having to drop out of the workforce. My wife Katie's here with our four kids. Aid family leave. Governor, thank you. Uh, the, the issue now, particularly in this state, is recreational marijuana. I want to go to Juan Carlos uh, Lopez. Thank you, Anderson. Senator. Sen- 
<laughs> and of course, like it's so weird that they go to like the Mexican dude. They're mm-hmm. like, "What do you think about weed, Mexican guy?" Like, what, what a weird thing. Sanders, right here in Nevada, there will be a measure to legalize recreational marijuana on the 2016 ballot. You said you smoked marijuana twice; didn't quite work for you. <laughs> if you were, Bernie Sanders smoked a shitload of weed. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Nevada resident, how would you vote? Um, I suspect I would vote yes. <laughs> And I would vote yes, because I am seeing in this country too many lives being destroyed uh, for nonviolent offenses. Uh, We have a criminal justice system that lets CEOs on Wall Street walk away, and yet we are imprisoning or giving jail sentences to young people who are smoking marijuana. I think we have to think through this war on drugs which has done an enormous amount of damage. We need to rethink our criminal justice system, and we've got a lot of work to do in that area. All right, now they ask Hillary the same question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we just have one more uh, final wrap-up clip, Joey. I'm Secretary Clinton, you told Christiana Manpour you didn't smoke pot when you were young, and you're not going to start now. <laughs> that is a lie, too. Hillary definitely smoked weed when she was young. There's pictures of her and Bill dressed as like, absolute hippies in arkansas are you saying that she's lying yes okay (laughs) when asked about legalizing recreational marijuana you told her let's wait and see how it plays out in colorado and washington it's been more than a year since you said that are you ready to take a position tonight no i think that we have the opportunity through the states that are uh, pursuing uh, recreational she could have scored a lot of points there but it's been like sure yeah i think we should probably legalize weed wanted to find out a lot more than we know today i do support the use of medical marijuana right. and i Good. think even there we need to do a lot more research so that we know exactly how we're going to help people uh, for whom uh, medical marijuana provides relief so i think we're just at the beginning but i agree completely with the idea that we have got to stop imprisoning people who use marijuana therefore we need more states cities and the federal government to begin to address this so that we don't have this terrible result that Senator Sanders was talking about, where we have a huge population in our prisons for nonviolent, low-level offenses that are primarily due to marijuana. Secretary. Okay, so well, then why wouldn't you just support legalizing marijuana? Like, if we have to do something about the problem that people are getting locked up for weed, easy solution, make weed legal. Mm-hmm. Or completely decriminalize and be like it's never more than a fine or whatever like that's the obvious solution that's the easiest way to to solve the problem yeah but i think as a moderate she can't say that of course she might not believe it i mean not everything she says is totally calculated you know like she might actually believe that fine Mm -hmm. but right you're you're right all right last clip which enemy are you proudest of clinton appears inauthentic which is her issue now they ask them you've made a lot of enemies of course because you're in politics who uh, of those enemies, which one do you really uh, are you the most excited about? Mm-hmm. Careers. Which enemy are you most proud of? <laughs> I guess the coal lobby. I've worked hard for climate change, and I want to work with the coal lobby. Uh, but in my time in the Senate, tried to bring them to the table so that we could address carbon dioxide. I'm proud to uh, be at odds with the coal lobby. He, he is such a, a sweetie, <laughs> right? Yes. Governor O'Malley. The National Rifle Association. He's such a drama fucking queen. Strong oh, one, though. Yeah, except he accepted 40 grand from them. 
when he was the head of an organization. I forget what the organization is, but that's legit. I read mm-hmm. that. Okay. Secretary Clinton. Well, in addition to the NRA, um, the health insurance companies, the drug companies, um, the Iranians, um, <laughs> probably the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, see, so yeah, it's like. Yeah. Uh, Senator Sanders. As someone who has taken on probably every special interest that there is in Washington, uh, I would lump Wall Street and the pharmaceutical industry at the top of my list of people who do not like me. (laughs) Senator Webb. Let's let Webb get a little shine. Why not? (laughs) I'd have to say the enemy soldier that threw the grenade that wounded me, but he's not around right now to (laughs) talk to. All right. Okay. Uh, he killed a guy that would have played better, I think, in a Republican primary. But that's what he was. Uh, yeah, I, I think that didn't play well. No, it didn't didn't play well there. All right, so that that's it for the the recap. I just have these two little final notes that I wanted to read, and then we can uh, wrap up the show. It's striking how different the Democratic and GOP debates were. This one had real substance. Uh, this is why the general election is such a problem for the GOP. But this strengthened my belief in Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio, and to a lesser extent, Fiorina over Trump and Carson. Uh, and again, if this doesn't move the needle for Bernie, Hillary is a lock. I think both did well. If it's a stalemate, fine. We'll just have to wait and see. Joey, do you have any uh, final thoughts there? Anything that I had to say or what? I am very interested in to see how the needle does go. Right. And when is the next debate? I don't know. I don't oh, know. Okay. Why? Because I think it will hopefully play into uh, Bernie Senator's well, Sanders know. is going to be in it, you know, right until the end because mm-hmm. it's going to come down to him and her. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. I, I, if you had to say, did somebody win? What, what do you think happened there in, in terms of who won, who didn't win, whatever? I think Hillary ended up winning. Yeah, I, I, I think she probably did too. I liked everything Bernie Sanders said. I have some issues with Hillary. I, I don't think she was as specific as he was. But right, yeah, I think she did a good job and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. I would love to see a mixed debate. Meaning, oh, Republicans, Democrats? Yeah, well, you get there eventually. Right, but they don't waste time with just the candidates. They'll do it eventually for the presidency. Um, All right, good episode. Longer than I think I wanted it to be, but it is what it is. I think we did a nice job. We got into some good stuff there. Um, We're going to end with the song Simple Things by this artist named Miguel. I've I've had this song for like quite a while, but his album just came out and it's on there. So Mm -hmm. it's a song I kind of like. It's pretty... uh, Pretty chill song to listen to. I nice. like it. Uh, Evan, thank you for producing the show. We really appreciate yep, it, man. You, did, you, did you enjoy doing it? Yeah, it was good. Very informative. I'm going to repeat and regurgitate your opinions with my other friends. I highly recommend that. It's a great idea. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're going to really sound like quite the smarty if you uh, just copy what I'm saying. No, uh, that's super grandiose. And I'm kind of a dummy. So I, I really don't know what, what to tell you. All right. Uh, Joey, thank you for, for doing what you do. I appreciate the fuck up mm-hmm. of the week. You did a nice job soundcloud.com slash mandatory samson subscribe on there follow us leave a comment i will respond to it you can listen to all the old episodes we've ever done youtube.com slash mandatory samson you can watch full episode video if you didn't catch the live stream which happens every thursday around four o'clock uh you can go on youtube.com slash mandatory samson subscribe there um the audio quality, I, I don't know. We're going to have to check it out uh, after this because I've had some complaints about the stream mm-hmm. audio being a little off. When I put the video up on 
youtube.com slash mandatory Samson. I, oh, I lay the video over the edited audio. So it's very clean. Mm-hmm. Everything sounds good. So you can check that out and you can see what we look like. Uh, Cause I gotta be honest. I, th- I think we're pretty cute. Nice. Nice. That's all I have to say. I think I look great. Okay. Mandatory Samson at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at man. Samp. Joey is at Joey from Jersey. J E R Z E Y. Uh, and you can also get in touch with us on Snapchat. I'm at Mansamp. I really uh, thought that was cool. So if you guys are watching the podcast, you have a question or whatever, uh, hit me up on Snapchat. It's fun. Joe, you're also on there. Joey from Jersey, exactly uh, as on Twitter, correct? Yes. All right. So Miguel, Simple Things is the song that we're closing with, which I don't know. We might we might drop the song thing. Okay. We've been talking about it, but we're just going to keep it going for now. Uh, we love you guys. We really appreciate the support. We hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, do subscribe on YouTube. It'd be nice to uh, get some more uh, views on there. Whatever you want to do, however you want to listen, we're going to be here for you. We'll talk to you guys next week.